On this episode, we discuss Slamajama. The movie that asks the question, is it possible to fake the funk on a nasty dunk? And if so, would you? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And in California, it's father of two, Elliot Kalin. How yeah. are you guys doing? Two shades of blue. <laughs> it's been a while since we uh, <laughs> been a while since we all recorded together because of Elliot's second baby and my move and your uh, second apartment. My second apartment. Yeah. Now, D- Dan, Dan paint it. Why do we? Why did you have to move, Dan? Did you yeah, do something in your old apartment that made them kick you out? Well, the non-funny answer is they raised my rent by one thousand dollars a month. Oh, I mean, it was kind of funny to see you get that email right before we went on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Stuart uh, Dan and I went on an Alaska cruise, and I got the most stressful thing that could possibly get come through my email right beforehand. And, but at least fun. you got to go up to see the glaciers that will never go away. That would never stress you out, right? <laughs> yeah. Just looking at it, thinking about how the world is dying. Uh huh. Yeah. How the and what, if anything, that would make your pitiful little apartment problem really sit in perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the global scale, I am but an ant, which makes me feel much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, even on the national scale, let alone the global scale. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's not true. You're a citizen even and you have the rights uh, yeah. inherent thereof. So, Dan, we're sitting in your new apartment. Yeah. Can you describe it for the listeners? Uh, that's one of the things, because uh, we're an apartment review podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's filled, yeah. it's filled with trap doors <laughs> yeah. all over the place. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, so, wait, do you shoot Alf in your apartment? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Why did you shoot? Why do you shoot Alf here, Dan? <laughs> well, is it yeah, because of what like he me. said? You, you put all those trap doors in so that the Alf puppeteer can be on the same level as the as the people with the puppet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm working on my Alf reboot, and this one the the humans are the aliens. Uh, <laughs> <what>? Okay, interesting. <laughs> that's the thing that I always that I always think about now, which I wish I had known when I was a kid about Alf, which is that. The set floor was full of trap doors for the puppeteer to stand yeah. through. So it was like everyone so like everyone had to deliver their lines while also making sure they didn't trip into a trap door and kill themselves. Uh-huh. So Alf is really a much more exciting show if you think of it that way. Yeah. Uh I don't know. What do you want to know about the apartment? I think that Stuart is trying to lead me into the fact that there's a second bedroom in the apartment now. Yeah, so we're recording this episode <laughs> and we are crammed into a tiny little corner in the living room. Uh yes. I guess we can tell everybody Dan has multiple rooms in his apartment. <laughs> I'm living high on the hog. Uh, and, and there is an entirely unused bedroom that we could easily be recording in that probably has even uh, less ambient noise because it's not as close to the street. Yeah, that's true. I mean, other people have actually pointed this out to me, too. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the fact that, like, and because we're on the ground floor, uh, if anyone was planning on breaking in and kidnapping Dan, uh, any BFGs <laughs> out there, or Archie, that would be catnapping. Um, if they look in through I the... Mean, wait, they, wait, but it wouldn't be kidnapping Dan. Dan's not a kid. I guess he's young at heart. 
<laughs> I'm young mentally. I mean, if you're sure. <laughs> if you were to look at his like book collection, you would assume that he's a kid. That's true. You'd be like, no adult would have this many duck comics. <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm currently using my second bedroom as a uh, library, mostly because there's no other place for my book collection to go. And it's is much- that until they deliver the sex wing? Yes. Yeah. And it's much more convenient because I have. On the rare occasions that I have a lady over to the house, I do th- I do uh, worry that she'll look at all the duck comics, go nope, and just turn around and put a coat back on and go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and for many other reasons not listed under duck comics, she'd be making the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little harsh thing to say. Yeah, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, seems just, mean. just kidding, just kidding. It's cool. Oh, okay. It's, it's cool because cool he said just kidding, guys. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> it's like, JK, he JK. said JK, so you can say, Dan, you're a you're a sad sack and you're a poor excuse for a human. JK, JK, JK. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm trying, what I was, what I was leading to is the fact that anybody, anybody off the street could walk by Dan's apartment, look in through the windows, and see a couple of idiots sitting here being Alex Incorporated or whatever we are. Mm. Is that reference even valid anymore? Did that show get canceled? Yeah, I think it got pre-canceled. I mean, no, it it, it aired a few episodes. I'm looking but. at Hollywood Kalen over there, and he's shocked. He is dumbfounded. <laughs> he's like, "What's Zach Braff going to do with himself?" I was. No, I didn't want to look. I didn't. I live in Hollywood now, so I cannot badmouth Zach Braff. Mm-hmm. Let's just <laughs> he's the most leave it powerful that. man in the city. <laughs> he's he's so powerful that I mean, even he could almost get that show on the air. So. Yeah. Should we move so, on to the movie? Yeah, what do we do on this podcast? Dan? Oh, this is a podcast. So this we... is so it's called the Flop House because we review houses. We just reviewed Dan's apartment. Okay. And now it's on to reviewing the White House. It has what a hundred rooms. It's all blinding white. Looks pretty fancy. Dan, what do you think? <laughs> that was surprisingly vague coming from you, Elliot. Like I was expecting <laughs> genuine White House facts, actually. Uh well the White House was built at some point well, in the past. And uh, many famous people have lived there, and also some died there, some did not. Okay. Uh, food is served there, so there is a full kitchen. <clears throat> I believe there's why. at least three bathrooms, uh, <laughs> and it's good for entertaining. There's a large lawn. Don't they also uh, don't they also brew beer there? Uh, I don't know or if they, they do might now, brew but they, it. They might brew it off site, but I know that you at could. least Obama had a couple had a couple re- like beers that were brewed for him. So anyway, the White House, it's available for rent now. Uh, I get—I think it's $4,500 a month, which is a good price for a place that size in that location. And, and how, many, uh, how many rooms did you say were in that house? At least th- at least three bedrooms so, and at least two bathrooms. So at least one of those rooms would have a tiny little corner for us to podcast from. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Dan, what do we do for real on this podcast? Let's uh, cut the shenanigans. This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And uh, right now it's the month of September, which means that it's small it's, uh, timber. It's a uh, basket. Small it's basket buddies where we review uh, <laughs> we review movies and how they match up to. We try and sync them up to the movie Basket Case. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 September Madness. That's when we review March Madness. Uh, uh, similar basketball movies, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we do from now on. Dan is September is now basketball month. September Madness. Okay. Who's with me? Uh, I don't know, because Small is actually probably my favorite month after Cagemas, or maybe before Cagemas. Yeah. Shocktober is not your favorite month? You know, it's weird, but watching a bad horror movie doesn't make me as happy as it used to, Elliot. 
Oh, you're growing up, Stuart. I know. <laughs> now you we'll just find like out. watching bad indie films. <laughs> yep. Now, the beauty of uh, Small Timber is that... Small Vember. Uh, usually we have to confine ourselves to whatever dreck the studios are pushing out. Uh-huh. And now we get to watch much more uh, personal dreck that is put out by... <laughs> it's the vision of, of, of a few small, uh, passionate uh, uh, people. Yeah, 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 and it often we don't know that the people are small. <laughs> <No>. Although this, <laughs> this movie does, movie does have, have a pretty a short small, guy in it, small yeah. people in it. Uh, but yeah, so small vembers. I guess you'd call it. It's our uh, what artisanal farm to table kind of uh, bespoke Etsy month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, what Miramax in the nineties. Uh, except for uh, some of the stuff that was going on at Miramax in the nineties too. I think uh, not not the best parallel comparison, right, Dan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was bringing that up, but sure. <laughs> yeah, Dan, it's, I was, I'm I was just talking saying. about the film content. I wasn't talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay, I hope not. Anyway, what so if the here's... G- I don't want, even want to make that joke. <laughs> so did we say what we do on this podcast, or we just launched into Small Vember? <laughs> yeah, no, we said that we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Okay, so, Dan, you already mentioned previously on the Flophouse uh-huh. what movie we watched. So tell us again, what's the title? Because I love hearing you say it. It's called... Slamma Jamma. <laughs> now, this is not the Slammin' Salmon, right? That's a different movie? No, that is a uh, broken lizard joint. Okay. Who broke that lizard? What happened to him? <laughs> uh, life broke him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Uh, so let's let's talk about this movie, huh? This is, as Wikipedia describes it, a faith-based themed sports drama film. Uh, <laughs> that's with a, that's, with that's a, actually pretty succinct. Yeah, with a criminal justice reform subplot. Uh-huh. Uh, let's just talk about it. This is a movie that stars a professional basketball player. He's a former Harlem Globetrotter. Wait a minute. In the part- Are you telling me that he is not a highly trained Broadway actor? Uh, he is not at that. He is, as the movie makes clear, a very talented basketball player who is not a particularly talented actor, sorry to say. And it features a cameo uh-huh. later on in the film by <laughs> yes. an athlete who is particularly like uh not appropriate to the, to the subject matter of the movie. It's the, it's the basketball movie that will have you asking, why is there a cameo from a baseball player in this basketball movie? And why is he judging a dunk competition? Uh and I will say right off the bat, yeah, the he doesn't he doesn't have the credentials to be dunk judging. <laughs> yeah, probably the most interesting thing about this movie is that it was shot by the same cinematographer who shot Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Big Trouble in Little China. And a number of other movies. What? Uh, Back to the Future parts two and three. Uh, that explains why they uh, why they shot a lot of it in Toontown. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, anyway, that, would be, it was, it was that, sh- that jokes that jokes funny. I'm just going to explain it to everybody. That jokes funny because it would be ridiculous to have a movie that features both basketball and cartoon characters. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be crazy. Who would dream of such a thing? <laughs> That kind of a jam. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dan, what kind of jam do you think that would be? Uh, apricot. <laughs> okay, I was looking for space, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get into it. Right off the bat, uh, we get some amazingly bad green screen action. As we see a college basketball star, Michael, he plays for USC. Mm-hmm. He is dominating a game full of dunks. He's a master dunker. His name's Michael Diggs, and the, the sportscasters cannot get enough of him yeah and uh and it's it this, is this is shot in all black and white right it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like 
it's sepia tone for something that sh- that takes place six years ago. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we got to make it clear that this is the past of 2012 uh, when everything was sepia tone. And, and Michael Diggs, you also know it's uh, it takes place in the past because Michael Diggs has uh, the most beautiful head of curly hair, the most realistic oh. looking head of curly hair I've ever seen. I feel like we all owe an apology to the movie Samson. <laughs> when we criticized their wigs, when we didn't realize that this movie would basically take the wind sock off of a boom mic, <laughs> fill it full of helium, stick it on the actor's head, and you're like, there, that's your wig for the day. It's like, it is the craziest way to de-age somebody is to put the fakest possible wig on them. It's, anyway, Dan, how would you describe this wig? Uh, It's, you know, it's a bunch of Brillo pads strung together, maybe. Around the head. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very fake looking wig. But Michael, he 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 just loves wearing this wi- his hair in this fake wig fashion. He's dominating the game, but then cut to the present. A series of very fast news reports. Like it's like somebody else is flipping through the channels and you're like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Can I see what's going on in any of these shows? Uh quick news reports say that he is on trial for armed robbery. He's convicted of armed robbery, mm-hmm. and he's been sentenced to six years in prison. For armed robbery. What happened to Michael Diggs? He was a dunk master. How yeah. did he become a crime master? Well, Slamma Jamma has the answers if you'll be patient enough <laughs> to wait for them. Uh, you'll find out how the Jamma goes to the Slamma. Oh, that's why it's Slamma. I mean, it's not really. It's a slam dunk. But anyway, uh, I, I'm surprised it wasn't like from the slam dunks to the slammer as the tagline. But as far as I know, this movie had no tagline because I why mean, would you need it? Why didn't it sells they, itself. This movie had a tagline. The tagline was like, this is also in theaters. <laughs> okay. uh, so so the, the tagline was featuring Jose Canseco in a bizarre cameo appearance. <laughs> but uh, So it's six years later, as the screen helpfully tells us, six years later, and Michael is leaving prison. And at this point, the movie had already given me whiplash, and I think we were five minutes into it. Yep. Uh, Michael didn't tell anyone in his family he was getting out that day. He hasn't thought about his future. The warden offers him a drive home, but he, he turns it down. <laughs> yeah, I love that it's the warden that's leading him out. Like, the warden is the most personally involved warden you've ever seen in a, a prison film who's not just like involved because he's torturing a, a character. Yeah, yeah. Like, like when his uh, girlfriend comes to visit him later on, it's the warden who personally goes out and says, I'm sorry, he doesn't want to see you. And you're like, yeah. don't you have like paperwork to do or something? Like, I think this is one of those privately owned like someone's prisons calling and he's the, the one guy. Someone's calling from the governor's office right now to pardon someone, and they're like, well, we can't get through. Yeah, yeah. the warden's busy talking to this one inmate's fiance. Yeah, I mean, I all my knowledge about the prison system is based on the movie uh, Ricky O, Story of Ricky, so I'm assuming the warden <laughs> should be spending all his time becoming the very best at kung fu. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I do like the idea, Dan, that if Michael had taken him up on that on that drive and they're like, we're about to execute this prisoner. We have five minutes, but the governor wants to pardon him. That call's going to get through. And they're, <laughs> they're calling the warden's cell phone and he looks at the phone and he's like, I'm driving. I'll, if it's important, they'll leave a message. <laughs> yeah. So, Michael, what are you going to do with yourself? I don't know. I haven't figured it out. Also, usually part of your release from prison is them helping you plan something mm-hmm. so that you can – like, or at least you telling them you have some kind of plan and a place to stay so that you don't fall back into a life of crime. But this is a pretty laid back prison. They don't have to worry about that stuff. This is like the cool warden who turns the chair around before he sits down to talk to you. Do you think that, like, do you think that warden walks everybody to the gate? Cause he's like, every time he's hoping that that person's just going to go on like a revenge mission. 
<laughs> oh, I assumed he thought the warden is like, maybe this is the prisoner who decides he likes it more in here than outside <laughs> and comes and that he likes me for me. And he's going to every time he leads a prisoner out, he's hoping it's a if you love something, set it free type mm-hmm. of scenario. Oh, okay. And he's hoping they come back. That's a, uh, that's so a anyway. really fun way to put put recidivism into perspective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just means they love the warden. Yeah. Uh, so Michael takes a bus home. He discovers that the bus fare has gone up quite a bit. I think it costs three seventy five to ride the bus, which is crazy. And the driver is like, "Hey, aren't you Michael Diggs?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I am." Uh, he walks by a local laundromat and sees his mom, but doesn't say hi. But then he goes straight home where his mom is cleaning the sink because his mom apparently can teleport. <laughs> yeah, the best part is when he walks into that laundromat, he like walks up and like waves and she doesn't see him and he looks sad. And I'm like, she just didn't see you. She's not ignoring <laughs> like, you, I think dude. her back was to him. Like, yeah. Yes, it was. She, he waved to her back and he's like, huh, I guess mom has rejected me. It's like, did you forget how humans work while you're in prison? I don't understand. Uh, but he goes to home and he says he's a changed man. Uh-huh. And she says his brother, his younger brother, Tay, uh-huh. is not doing the, well, the, which the, she says twice, very the, meaningfully. Tay not is doing the well. only character that we know by name for a while, right? Yeah. Well, we know Michael's name. Well, oh, okay. like, I still have no idea what the name of his two goofy friends are because I don't feel like. Oh, I don't either. He has dead. these two friends we meet later. One of them is dumb and one is not. And I do not know what their names are. Yeah. yeah. But we, uh, it's the the names don't come easy in this mm-hmm. movie. But uh, like, uh, I'm looking at the cast list right now on Wikipedia, and I thought his his fiance's name was Lisa, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I don't but, remember. But that name is not listed in the cast as a <laughs> okay. character, so maybe I misunderstood it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, she says your brother's not doing well. What does that mean? Is he is he sick? No, it turns out he's falling into a life of crime. But Michael, first he has to go, he goes looking for his brother, and he gets a job. He gets hired at what is called a grocery store, but seems to be a hardware store. It's a confused it's, it's, store. It's a, it's a hardware store with a walk with a walk-in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they gotta it's keep like, the claw hammers cold. Yeah. And it's like he lives in Los Angeles, right? Uh-huh. So the idea maybe I thought maybe this is like a frontier dry goods general store that just has everything. Yeah. Like I need a shovel and a life jacket, and also a box of cereal. Well, this is the one store in town, so we have all those things. Yeah. But but no, it's just it's just one of those. And the manager of the store is so busy. He's like, Ugh, there's a mess in the aisle. You know what? I don't have time to look over your paperwork. You're hired, even though he doesn't have experience, he says. The guy goes, so how much? do you have much experience? Experience what? At a grocery store? Come on, man. Forget about it. Anyway. <laughs> what? Like, that, that was, uh, we just got a glimpse of Elliot's interview when he interviewed at a Wegmans. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed at a, at a Piggly Wiggly, and they're like, do you have much experience? I was like, doing what? Come on. Anyway, I didn't get the He's job. Like, I, could, I could read you the entirety of A and P but, uh, from memory, but does uh, that so count? Is that, is that a real thing? Uh, Tay walks in while Michael is working, and Michael's like, hey, Tay, it's me, your brother. I just got out of jail. I work at the grocery hardware store now. And Tay is like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever, and walks out. Not a great brother. I mean, uh, he was thing. probably just super dejected that his brother cut off that super cool hair. <laughs> Maybe he yeah, saw he still his brother's head him. and he's like, I share the same jeans as him. Uh, not literally. I'm not talking about his blue jeans. Uh, I'm talking about his genetic code. I mean, he probably has hand-me-down blue jeans from his older brother. I so, mean, that's how what happens with younger brothers. But th- that's unrelated to why he'd be concerned. He's concerned that yeah. when he sees his brother, he's like, is my hair all going to fall out and not be this super cool curly hair? Ow. But Tay has pretty short hair. 
I don't know if I remember which character's Tay now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Tay, maybe Tay is like, prison's changed you. You don't have the same hair anymore. Forget it. Anyway, uh, Michael, okay, here's where the plot kicks in, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, deci- while he's wandering around in his sad stupor, uh, he joins a pickup basketball game, and he's a little rusty, but then he does a big dunk. Boom! He's back. Everyone's like, whoa, you can really dunk. And this is where he picks up his two friends. Let's just call them White Guy Can Jump, because he's a white guy who can play basketball player, and Dumb Guy, because the other mm-hmm. friend is kind of stupid, but very well-meaning. Like, he's a, he's kind of a puppy dog of a man. Uh, and then he's like, they're like, who are you, man? And this guy named Terrell walks out and says, that's Michael Diggs. He could have been a professional, but then he went to jail. And it turns out Terrell is a sports agent who has a shady past with Michael. Now, and Terrell is played by a real-life uh, athlete. Is he a famous basketball player? No, famous football player. <laughs> because there's only room for one real basketball player in the movie, I guess. Stuart, you were going to say? the Was this the basketball match where there's a full crowd watching but only two people were making any noise and they were narrating the whole match to each other. <laughs> I believe so. I believe that's exact. Oh, I think that's what it is. Or I don't think that's later when uh, we have the basketball game where everyone can join as instantly an amazing basketball <laughs> oh, player. Man, I love that. Uh, so Michael's depressed. We know this because he's lying in bed tossing a basketball into the air. We know he's depressed the way he handles a basketball. Later on when he's really depressed, he's sitting on bleachers and he just drops a basketball and it rolls away. <laughs> I, I assume – and there's a close-up of the basketball rolling. I assume in a nod to the shot in M when Fritz Lang represents the death of a little girl by showing the ball that she dropped roll to a stop in the grass. And we know that the child killer – uh, played by Peter Lorre, has ended her life. I assume that was an, an homage on the part of uh, director Timothy Che. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, so Michael, he's like, you know what would cheer me up right now? I'll go visit my ex-girlfriend, Lisa. Uh-oh. Turns out she's dating his former best friend and teammate, Craig, who I thought was named TJ for a while. When? Because I miss <laughs> when? Because, But I guess they said CJ probably because his name is Craig Jackson. Because he looks exactly uh, like TJ Miller. <laughs> That's why he's Yeah, talking. yeah. He looks just like TJ Miller and he shops at TJ Maxx. Yeah. So I thought it was the same guy. Uh he's a uh, he CJ is now a major professional basketball player. He play, you know, he makes millions of dollars. I think they say he plays for the Clippers. And he gets pissed off that Lisa is barely friendly to so, Michael. So there's a moment when Michael shows up at Lisa's house and Lisa's mom comes to the door and I was like a hundred percent sure that that was going to be Lisa. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, awesome. Like, yeah, she's, you know, she's hasn't aged great, but that's okay. Uh, but now, uh, we're introduced to Lisa, who is much more uh, traditional romantic lead material. <laughs> as in, as in that she is young and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and thought for a second, she- this movie was going to, you know, strike a blow for, I don't know, like ageism or something in movies. Uh, No, this movie is not just in striking a blow for anyone except God. We'll get to that. Uh, So, And Craig is driving Lisa to a club or something, and he's like, why are you so nice to Michael? And he's so mad that he almost hit somebody with his fancy car and does not (laughs) care. This guy is bad news. It's like, it's hard to believe they were even friends at any point. Uh, And it's also one of those things where you're like, why is Lisa with this guy? He's so different from her ex-fiance. Mm-hmm. Michael and it's like is did she just move on to the next guy who was closest to be around like but also, a lot of times in these movies you'll see a, a woman leaves a guy and then starts dating a guy who is the complete opposite and maybe I mean maybe that's yeah, yeah. it. it's, maybe it's, it's a the reaction fucking to Count of Monte Cristo all over again 
<laughs> yep. yep, inventor of the sandwich that bears his name. The other thing that was confusing to me about this relationship was that uh, the Craig is that his name? Sure. Yep. His uh, he later on he's like I'm worth twenty four million dollars or something like that because he's an NBA star and uh, Lisa is apparently still living at her old address like in what the you know like the movie like these are like inner city areas. Okay. Uh, well, and, why? Because everyone's black, Dan. I don't think that's necessarily because, the case. Because they're poor. The, the the main family in it is expressly poor. They're like living on the edge of poverty. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but we don't know that Lisa is. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, she. All right, that's true. But it seemed like <laughs> no. But it's 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 it's, it's fair confusing. that no one. Aside from Craig's car, nobody seems to be regularly interacting with someone who is making millions of dollars. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Lisa's just happens to be home that night because she's visiting her mother. Could be. That's could be. possible too. And Michael maybe. just lucked out because <laughs> he doesn't know her new address. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. Uh, Michael's back at work. He sees his old lawyer who uh, is sad uh, because <laughs> oh, yeah. she failed him so badly. <laughs> this is this, this is the character. F- this is the like the third or fourth character that's introduced where I'm like, this person is a producer of the movie, right? Like this is some oh, kind almost of, certainly. <laughs> this is some kind of like perk for giving money to the movie. This is a character what I love is- who only exists in relationship to Michael. Like she's given no like interest or life of her own. She just like shows up periodically <laughs> through the film to be like, again, I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to save you, Michael. Like, like there's like three or four scenes where she shows up. She's just like kind of hanging around mm-hmm. being like, I'm so sorry, Michael. Yeah. You yeah. were, you were hoping that this lawyer character would be given uh, like a full fledged life that you would <laughs> like leave the arc? movie that you would leave the movie wondering like <laughs> I'm assuming that character is just going to go home and have a nice meal with her four cats that she's mentioned <laughs> uh, and give her her aging father a call because she's mentioned him. I That's just, what you're hoping for. No, I don't want that. I just I think it's funny that like she only shows up to like express regret mm-hmm. and she does it three times in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And she also she has the same conversation with Michael that a few people have where she goes, Michael, when did you get out? And he goes, a few days ago, <laughs> verbatim, same conversation every time. Uh, but yeah, and then she says, I'm so sorry. And when you find out how weak the case against him is, you are like, oh, you're not a very good lawyer. I the, wonder uh, maybe she just doesn't have any clients anymore because she's she failed that case. Guys, but anyway, I want to say we're right around the time when my favorite scene in the movie happens. Is this the moldy bread scene? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's where when Michael, having not gotten his paycheck yet because they get paid every two weeks, uh, for his lunch break, he gets a bag of moldy bread that they were going to throw out, and I'm like... Which they refer to as 30-day-old bread, which is also <laughs> like, whoa, you leave the bread on the shelf for 30 days? And he like, like is that- he pulls a piece out, and like it's covered with mold on all sides. Like, yeah. it got down yeah. into the slices, like every single one. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I don't and know he- what grocery stores, run, the kind of grocery store they're running, where they're like, uh, leave it up there for another day. <laughs> <laughs> It'll keep. It's fine. It's a, it's, it's called fine. it's called uh uh well, well I was trying to think of a pun off of Whole Foods and I couldn't. But uh, I think it's just mold foods. I think that that's, mold foods. Damn, you got it. Yeah. That's nuts. It was right in front of me. But uh yeah, it's called it's called mold foods and people there go is, there for the mold. There is more fungus on this bread than a Jeff Vandermeer novel. So he uh so there's a scene where Michael is eating this moldy bread and crying behind the dumpster. And, and it's so as funny. he as he squats behind the dumpster at work, and it's like 
it's so sad that it's hilarious. Like, it's so over-the-top sad that it's hilarious. Well, it's also confusing to me because, like, there's a scene not that long before where his mom leaves him a meal of a spaghetti, spaghetti dinner. A spaghetti mm-hmm. dinner. So, like, he's living with his mom. It's, you know, like, he's got some food. He doesn't have to eat holy molded bread. <laughs> holy moldy. <laughs> holy moly. This bread holy is moldy. M- yeah. <laughs> As Grandpa used to say. <laughs> Right before he chowed down on that moldy bread. <laughs> well, it was, it was the depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah back yeah, then yeah. it was like, a delicacy. He should have. He just should have fucking roofioed that shit and imagined he was eating mom's spaghetti <laughs> instead of eating moldy bread. I don't know if that works outside of Never Never Land. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I mean, he could always try. Like, I don't know. I, I love the idea that you, if you're ever like in a restaurant. And you find, I don't know, like a hair in your food. You're like, well, the joke's on them. I'm going to Rufio this shit. And I'm going to pretend this hair is the most delicious garlic bread ever made. And yeah. Just chow it down. And I, f- I fear we're being insensitive. I don't. I want to make it clear. We're not making fun of people who can't afford food. The, the no, movie no. is just like oh, so over the top and like bathos at this point. When he's, The movie has jumped so quickly to yeah. him eating moldy bread. And he is not... It, the bread is so like everything about it is over the top. His performance, the bread is over the top moldy. Like there, I'm sure there. There, I mean, I know people who have taken food out of the garbage to eat it because they've had mm-hmm. to. Like it's a terrible thing to have to do unless you're a freegan and you somehow think that you're saving humanity by not buying fresh food. But I don't know. That's not a thing. But uh, that is helping too many people. It helps you, I guess, because it saves money on food. But I don't know, Dan. Am I going over the over the line by going after freegans? I have no idea anymore. Uh, Even though wait, I love the work waiter, of director William Freegan, is that, who made yeah. is that what, the Freegan connection. <laughs> is that is that what Quark is in Deep Space Nine? <laughs> no, that's that's a Ferengi steward. That's, oh. oh no, he is a Frank. He is a Freegan too, because you know what? He goes over to uh, he goes over to the bar that Whoopi Goldberg runs. Next Generation, Guinans, and he just takes the yep. food that they throw out because it's not fresh fresh anymore. So he's a Freegan Ferengi. That's true. Okay. Well, uh, I, I guess I'll get partial credit on that Star Trek joke. <laughs> I do Star Trek test. Anyway, uh, no, you're right, Dan. We, we should make clear we're not making fun of poverty here. We are making fun of this movie's ridiculous depiction of it. And then while he's eating that moldy bread, he flashes back to him losing a dunk contest. And you know he's young because he's wearing that crazy wig. Mm-hmm. He's just trying too hard to invent new dunks. Everyone's like, you got to stick to what you know. Stop trying to innovate the world of dunks. Just be safe. Wait, that and, happened. And boring. Yeah. Did I get up and get I a beer that during that? Too. I oh, think Dan well, and I were up getting beers. Yeah, it's a very quick flashback. Anyway, uh, Michael he wants to go take a talk. He wants to save Tay from a life of crime, so he goes to talk to Tay's gang leader boss, a character whose name you you guessed it. I did not catch during <laughs> the length of the film. Uh, and the gang boss is like, "No, it's cool. We don't sell drugs anymore. Now we push guns. The market's <laughs> always there." And uh, Michael tells Tay. Don't join this gang. But Tay is like, mom needs money. She has expensive hospital bills. This is the first time we've learned of that. Although we have seen mom cough a couple times, I think. Uh-huh. Which is movie shorthand for deathly ill. Yeah. It's like it's like any time a woman vomits in a movie, you're like, she's pregnant. Yeah. And any time that a man uh, does anything in a movie, uh-huh. Someone in the audience is going to be like, awesome, no matter how stupid it is. <laughs> okay. Wow. wow. Elliot taking, holding movies to task. Well, really movie viewers, <laughs> yeah. that one guy. But anyway, uh, so Dan, guess yes. what? It's what? time for what? maybe my favorite scene in the movie, <laughs> okay. other than the moldy bread scene. Because Michael's going to play a basketball game, and this is the basketball game where 
they're going to break down some of our assumptions about who can and who can't dunk basketballs. Because yeah. Michael's playing this basketball game, and then a woman says she wants to play, and the other guys are like, no way, no way. And Michael's like, well, the one no, like, let's let dumb, play. Yeah, the one dumb guy is like, no way. The guy, no way. The guy with the little beard and the big hair. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? But, What's his name, Elliot? <laughs> you wrote it down. Right? Um, uh, I don't remember. I mean, yeah. we can call him Gus, maybe. Does okay. Gus work as a name? <laughs> or like Hiram? Can we call him that? I don't know. Uh, so she's got all kinds of trick moves, including one where she rolls the basketball over her neck in a way that I don't see how it helps her necessarily, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. And that- uh I mean, all of her things were trick moves. I kept waiting for her to be like doing a trick move, and a guy just come up and be like "yoink" and take the ball away from her. Because that does not happen. Dan's, I'll tell you Dan's what does not a happen. fan of showboating in sports. <laughs> I, you know the fundamentals. That's what I care about. <laughs> yeah, solid fundamentals. That's what you say every time. You're also one of those guys where. When a team wins a football game, you're like, they just wanted it more. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly like me. That's what it comes down to. Uh, there is this. It does my have my favorite with mo- myself. <laughs> uh, this this movie does. Ha- this scene has my favorite moment in the movie, where she bonks the dumb guy in the face with a basketball, and there's a cartoon sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> that's like boing it's, it's, and it's crazy that they found an actor whose head makes that noise when a basketball's <laughs> bounced off of it I mean I just it makes me wonder if he has to deal with that all the time when he gets bonked on the nose by things accidentally if yeah. people laugh at him and he's like no I'm in real pain right now please stop <laughs> making that laugh is not laughing at that noise that my body makes mm-hmm. uh, and then the dumb guy they keep tricking him to asking her out and she keeps saying no and he just cannot get it through his thick head that she doesn't want to go out. Yeah, he yeah he's like Joe Latruglio's character in the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and, and at that point, you're like, okay, they made their point. Anyone can play basketball, and Michael is very welcoming to people. Oh, oh no, the scene's not over yet. Dan, what? who enters the stage now? A, li- a little person enters the stage. Uh-huh, and- a little person. And the, and the dumb guy... Uh, Gus Hiram, having having recognized his error earlier, is like, hey, nobody make fun of this little guy. Hey, nobody. Hey, little guy, you want to be on my team? Uh-oh. Condescension is just as bad as rejection yeah. because this guy plays <laughs> rings around him to the point where it looks like they're not even trying that hard to guard him in a, in a case of what I suspect is them not trying that hard for the sake of the scene. Uh, and this, this little person, he's just a great – and you know what? He's just a great basketball player. They all are. It is like he, the dumb guy, is uh, Darth Tyrannus, and the little person is Yoda, Jedi Master, (laughs) just flipping Mm -hmm. all over the place, doing all kinds of moves. And this, these scenes go on for so long that you're, you're like, surely this movie is introducing new characters that are important to the plot. Uh Nope. The woman no. disappears until the training montage at the end. The little person is not seen hide nor hair of for the rest of the film. He, he's not the guy later who is told he's too short to no, dunk there, dunks, right? That's a different guy? There's another guy who's like five foot. Who, uh, five five, I think. Yeah. But that's not th- the same. Is that the, a that's part- the guy who the agent is making fun of. Yes. Yes, yeah. There's a there's a scene late, and it, it that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, that's how tall I am. But he looks really short because everyone in this movie is really tall because they're basketball players. Uh-huh. And at the end, let me just this is a spoiler alert. There's a big dunking competition at the end, and the, the announcer says this guy is five nine. He's the shortest guy in the competition. I was like, oh, he's almost half a foot taller than me. <laughs> like that's crazy. But uh, like he's taller than my dad, the shortest guy in the competition. But anyway, here's the thing. To, here's when I realized about this movie. This movie is to basketball. 
what like a lot of martial arts movies are to martial arts, uh-huh. where it's like, oh, I'm not watching this for the plot. I'm watching this to see these guys pull off their insane moves and show their different fighting styles. This movie basically exists so you can watch different types of basketball being played. Yeah. Like oh, the plot is just there to get wait, us from dunk to dunk. It's not a like a stirring tale of redemption and like uh, not being defined by the traumas that you've experienced. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's that too. Sure, it's that, but mainly in service of nasty dunks. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is when the movie takes a turn for the soulful, literally, in that a man named Pastor Soul is introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael goes to an abandoned church where Pastor Soul. Pastor Soul sounds kind of, like a villain in like a Wild West role playing game. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Soul is just perching in this abandoned church like the crow. Mm -hmm. Like, he just kind of haunts it. Modeling his many hats. (laughs) And he's a man of many hats. A man of one god, but many hats. I love Uh, love that he's got one of those Panama hats that has the the mesh body, so you can see his head through it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And such so you can see the halo above his head. Uh, Pastor Soul says, Michael, you can be a role model. And he says, you can have redemption. Help me fix up this church. You guessed it, he's going to get his basketball friends to help him clean up the church, which entails moving one pew. And then he, they distract him by asking him to tell him the story, tell, uh, tell them the story of how he ended up in jail. It turns out he had, he had everything. He was a dunk star. He was headed for the majors. And, and head, yet, head is the import, uh, important word here because he had a lovely head of hair. <laughs> yeah, because he had a very realistic head of styrofoam hair. <laughs> uh, but then he's tricked. This guy goes, hey. A friend of mine's a big fan of yours. If I pay you $1,000, will you meet him? And he said, sounds legit. Sounds on the up and up. You got it, buddy. Stranger that I met on the street. He takes the $1,000, and this stranger, whose name is Red, I think. This is one of the few guys I think gets a name. Uh, He he takes him to a gun store Uh uh, that has all of the production values of every interior set from Seinfeld, Mm -hmm. a show that I've been watching a lot lately and noticing how incredibly cheap and fake almost every set in it looks. Uh, so it has the fakeness of that. And he goes, Hey, oh wow. The, the guy who runs the store is like, Oh, you're Michael Diggs. It's really great to meet you. And Red is like, yeah, it is. Isn't it? Pulls out a gun. Okay. Give us all your money. And Michael Diggs is like, don't do this, man. Don't do this. And then unprompted by anything, he shoots and kills the owner. Uh Oh, he, now he's an accomplice. It's, it's a, His, but it's a perfect crime. Cause there's no witnesses, right? <laughs> yeah, there's there, there, there's no witnesses, uh, and except for just, there's an elderly for, lady that they push past when they run out of the store, which is like, who was, what time are they doing this crime? <laughs> and what, uh, crime time, and I guess that woman is in a stop or my mom will shoot sort of situation. <laughs> by the way, yeah, let's follow her. Uh, she, she's she's an elderly lady who's just in the in the market on the market for a Glock. I yeah, guess. we missed the uh, citizens arrest where she chased down their car T two. <laughs> style but this is the point (laughs) this is the point where i was shouting at the screen what was their plan because they go in the guy like just i guess quote unquote distracts him with michael shoots him in the face and then they both leave without stealing anything like i don't know what the point was and he's like let me get the most let me get local star michael (laughs) diggs or whatever the most recognizable man in town let me get him he, he won't – yeah, everyone will know who he is, and he won't turn me in once he's caught, inevitably. It's like – yeah, that, it's like, Dan, you uh, if you were in town and you were like, I, I want to rob this store, but I don't want any money. Oh, Mayor Bloomberg, 
You just have me walking down the street. This guy here is a big fan of yours. Come, oh yeah, sure, okay, come on in. And then you're running out, and you're like, "Why'd I pick the most recognizable man in town?" Uh, but anyway, uh, then Michael's lawyer advised him to take a plea deal. She's a terrible lawyer. Let's just get that straight. Uh, there's uh, and Michael tells Lisa, uh, and his life is over, and there's no God. And Lisa's like, "Don't say that." And he's like, "No, there's no God." The judge sentences him to ten years in jail for basically not having better common sense. The, he's like, she "But is, I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it." And he's like, "Yeah, but you should have had better common sense." His, ten years in jail. Next case. His lawyer is giving her final argument, and he, the judge interrupts her. <laughs> he's like, "I've heard enough excuses," or something like that. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, I guess he shouldn't have agreed to have his murder trial at Judge Judy's court. That was probably part of the problem. He's like, this is uh, going to sound like baloney. She's not going to be up for it. She wasn't born yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so she knows uh, what rain is. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. knows the rain and the difference between being having pee on her leg. <laughs> now, here's the question. She says, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Uh-huh. Has that ever worked? Is there one, why would you pee on someone's leg? That's my question right at the beginning. Unless it's famed wrestler Urinal Leg Boggs, who had a urinal for a leg that he would use to kick people in the face with. Why would you pee on someone's leg? And two, why would you then excuse yourself by saying, uh, it's raining out? It's not me. I feel because like I've f- definitely talked to people who have been peed on while at like a music festival. <laughs> But then did they say, hey, stop that? And the guy said, oh, no, it's raining. Because here's the first thing I would do. Put my hand above my head to see if I could feel the rain. And at that point, you, the urinator, you have to try to arc your pee in the air so that it hits their hand. And that's just uh-huh. difficult to do. you got to have a powerful stream. Yeah, and I mean, I mean at, that, at, all- yeah, at that point, you're probably halfway through peeing anyway, so your, <laughs> your water is depleted. Yeah, and it's like having to slam dunk with pee. And as we know from this movie, slam dunking is very difficult, even Although, though everyone yeah, can everybody do it. Everybody does it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan, so if you were in that situation, uh-huh. you've been caught out for on. peeing on someone's leg. No, no, you, someone's, you're peeing on someone's leg oh, okay. and they've called you out. What would you do? Would you go for this rain thing or do you have another pee card up your sleeve? I feel like I would just stick to my story because like, I feel like that's one of those cases where social pressure – would be like the guy eventually would just be like, I guess I'm wrong. When you say stick to my story, are you talking about one of those uh, those unpublished screenplays you've been working on? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and because the dream of every screenwriter is to have their screenplay published. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what you uh, it's when in you buy final it in, finished state. You buy a it in uh, Canal Street or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Canal Street? Can- Canal Street, yeah. Canal- Stephen J. Canal. <laughs> what if Canal Street was named after Stephen J. Canal? That would be amazing. Uh, it's, it's on the corner of A-Team Avenue and Riptide Boulevard. <laughs> anyway, uh, in the present, Michael in the past, he didn't have faith in God, but now he says that his faith is what kept him sane in jail. He meets up with Lisa, who feels kind of rightfully that he abandoned her since she went to go visit him in jail and he sent out the warden to say he's not going to see you, mm-hmm. which is pretty cold. Pretty cold to send your bud, the warden, to deliver that message uh, and says that Craig. I think the, I think the warden just loves drama. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think maybe uh, he's like, no, Michael doesn't want to see you. And then he goes back and Michael's like, is Lisa ever going to visit? And he's like, Lisa says she doesn't want to visit you. <laughs> yeah. The warden's just stirring shit up. Yeah, like, yeah. A, like a character on The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like one of the uh, producers on uh, one of those Real Housewives shows. 
the, the producer on <laughs> Cheaters who would always be like, or the host on Cheaters who would be like, are you going to let him get away with that? Go talk to him. You'd always try to get a fight going. Uh-huh. Uh, Cheaters, of course, the reality show where they catch people cheating on their significant others. The ethic problems, there aren't any. Totally ethical show. <laughs> okay, that's uh, cool. Wait, what, so, which re- wasn't it a relative of yours that was like, Oh, cheaters! Uh, this is an interesting show. Should we watch this? Let's see. Yeah, that was my father-in-law who, uh. did, who did that. It was very. It's like let's let's just see what this is. And my wife was like, "Dad, you watch this show all the time. <laughs> <laughs> don't pretend you don't know what it is." Uh, he's a great guy. Don't judge him on that fact. That's amazing. Uh, so, and Lisa. So not only is she thinking about marrying Craig, but she's not so into God anymore. She's not so sure there is a God. Uh oh. Her her stance and Michael's stance on God has. Flipped. Yeah, she 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 currently worships the almighty dollar. Uh, actually, there is a scene later where the sports agent Terrell, Lisa's like, what about God? And he holds up a dollar or a hundred dollar bill and he goes, this is my God. And I sing his praises every day. And it's like, all right, you've become a walking political cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, uh, ex- how about you do a couple bars then? I want to hear this song. <laughs> like, it would be funny to me if, if that thing had just like continued he would like he like pulled out a big crucifix and he's like nope and he cracks it over his leg. Yeah, I mean, I would like it if it turned into like a full on musical and he just did like a big bit with like uh, like Satan and a bunch of people showing up. Oh yeah, there's a coal choir there, and then he he puts the he slits a goat's throat as a sacrifice and spills mm-hmm. the blood on a twenty dollar bill and is like, drink it up, Andrew Jackson, drink it up, my sacrifice to you, the best of my flock. Anyway. Uh, bad news for Michael. Michael's boss says Michael's fired. They don't hire convicts at the store. And uh, and he's like, jokes like, on sorry, you. I'm, you did. I mean, and, and he's like, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have hired you. I was so busy, I didn't have time to read your application. And it's like, story checks out. He was very busy the day that he hired Michael. But it's weird. Like, uh, what? I mean, Michael's doing a good job. Why doesn't he just hush it up? It's not like there's going to be a scandal. No, the who one who found out about this, and two, why doesn't he go to bat for Michael? Like he's doing a great job. He's too afraid of losing his own job as manager of the grocery hardware store. Well, Come he, on, man! He said that there's he like, an everyday hero. He said there's like a company wide policy against hiring convicts, and I'm like, I don't know about the law, but like it seems like is that something that you can do? Like just like have. Uh, like I mean, a, it's something that happens a lot. Yeah, there was that's why it was recently. Did they officially ban it, or they just make it more difficult to put a box on? Or were they just trying to ban it? To put a box on application forms that say, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Right. Because in reality, convicts are discriminated against in hiring. No, 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 constantly. no. I, I know that. I just didn't know whether like it was legal to like expressly be like, oh, by the way, our company doesn't hire any convicts. Like, I think it is, unless it's recently been banned. But I don't okay. know. Everybody, convicts, if you are if you found good jobs and Dan's right, mail into Elliot's Wrong Care of Dan's Right, I, no, Care I'm, of the Flophouse, I'm not Neverland, I, I'm not Never Gonna I'm Happen, right. I'm Imaginary World, Narnia, Fakesville. Yeah. Anyway. Dan's Right is uh, also what Dan uh, imposes on people when you're at a restaurant and he gets the first breadstick. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it Prima Sticta. <laughs> Gross. Uh, so, flashback. Michael's... He's talking to Terrell, a sports agent, which is technically against the rules because Michael's, um, you know, still a student. And Terrell's like, "You could make sixty-five million dollars," but Michael says, "He says you would be the first pick of the draft if you were drafted, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And he says, "No, I'm going to stay at USC." Now we see the repercussions of that decision not to chase the lucre. He can't find a job. 
He has a very polite interaction with a guy at a car repair place, but the yep. fact that he knows nothing about cars really gets in the way of him getting that job. Yeah. And it's such a sad scene where the guy's like, he's like, yeah, sure, let me see if I can help you out. Uh, can you change a tire? Uh, no, sir. Can you change oil? No, sir. Do you know how to fix an engine? No, sir. Like, and it's like... he's <laughs> it's, it's like some kind of gift-giving ceremony where you're expecting the person to do- deny it three times and then before accepting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all etiquette. Yeah, where it's... it's I could... Uh, how much does it cost? No, no, I couldn't take your money. No, 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 I insist. Oh, no, it would be an insult to me, sir, <laughs> if you were to pay for this. No, 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 I insist. How much? No, 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 I cannot take money. Please, sir. Okay, in that case, I'm always worried that I'm going to travel to a country where the etiquette requires they deny you money and that I won't get it and I'll be like, okay, and I'll walk out and really offend the guy <laughs> and also be a thief. That is a real fear that haunts that, me to that's, this day. That's the uh, your your curb episode you're working on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for when Larry David goes to Iran, I guess, <laughs> and he doesn't get all the etiquette. Uh, the, there's that, or he got there's the scene where he go he's in China and he goes to a family's house and he doesn't leave some food over on the plate. You're supposed to leave a little bit behind, so I've been told to imply that they were so generous they gave you more than you could eat. And they're like, and whoever he's with, like Ted Danson or something, is like, Larry, leave a little bit of food. Why should I? It tastes great. I'm gonna eat it all. <laughs> they should be more happy that I ate it all. It shows them that it was good. Come on. <laughs> anyway, that's I guess that's kind of a uh, ev- uh, actual real travel experiences. What well, I assume Larry David would be if he went overseas. <laughs> anyway, okay, <laughs> so. The gang leader tries to give Michael some money. Michael won't take it. And the gang leader says, God doesn't exist. We know God exists because in the movie, God's not dead. He killed Kevin Sorbo. But this guy, I guess, <laughs> hasn't seen that movie. Or maybe this is a prequel to that. Yeah. Michael gets a job Wait, as, hold on. as a bus Hold on. When he, yeah. I just want to say, when he doesn't accept the money, they just drop the money on the ground and everyone walks <laughs> off. <laughs> they don't take the money back at all. Like no one wants Oh, yeah, wants that money's it. been rejected. It stains now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true I forgot about that they just leave and it's like a thousand dollars and what right? I love is the idea that this gang leader is like yeah I just uh, go to Staples pick up a big box of white envelopes every day <laughs> that's where I <laughs> that's how I give my money out to my uh, my associates he's like I could see it send one of my henchmen to pick it up but I like to stay humble he's, and that's my one job that I do to stay humble is I pick up my own envelopes he's like uh, I was trying a payroll company but they were uh, they were taking too it was too expensive it didn't fit my needs. They would take out cash. They would take out taxes for payroll. And this is a cash-only criminal organization. So <laughs> we're trying to not pay those taxes. We don't really want to be reporting to Uncle Sam. So I uh, I fired them, and now I just handle it myself, which is a hassle. But, you know, if it's not worth it to me to do the work, maybe it's not worth it to me to be a gang leader. That's what I say. <laughs> so Michael, he gets a job as a busboy at the local diner, and he's really – this is a diner that has a picture of him up on the wall. And he yep. has to talk the owner into hiring him so hard. He's like, like, can I get a job? He's like, I don't have any jobs. He's like, I'll wash dishes. And he's like, okay. Oh, when you said jobs, I didn't mean the kind of jobs we have here at a restaurant. I thought you meant as a professional basketball player. And why would I hire you to do that? This is a restaurant. Uh, Lisa, Craig, and Terrell walk in. Uh Uh-oh. And Craig is just ridiculing Michael, belittling him. Lisa offers to help him out, but he's like, no, that's cool. I'm fine. And Michael keeps his cool the whole time. This is when Terrell talks about how money is his god and there's no god otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it's... That guy, what I like about him is he is entirely first level. There is no subtext to anything he says. He is just, he is such a flat, open character that at a certain point he becomes 
the only honest character in the entire movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really like that. About him. I, I liked him <laughs> yeah. because, uh, I mean, it makes he sense. He was a well-rounded character is yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, three I dimensions. Li- I liked him because, uh, I mean, it makes sense that he's hanging around Craig. But there are scenes where he's just like hanging around. Like there's a scene early on where he's just hanging around the basketball court. And he's like, yeah, I'm scouting. Like, you all suck. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> later on, he's still hanging around the same basketball court. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, what Do you is- think there's a new crop of players that are coming through the basketball court a week later? Come yeah. on. Come on. Maybe, maybe there's just like a, like a hot dog place down the street that he really likes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's- I mean, that's just. <laughs> he's using his job as a smokescreen for hot dogs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like Terrell. You can just buy a hot dog. You don't. It's okay. You know. No, He's no, like, no. but it's not a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch someone play basketball, or else whatever I'm doing is not a business expense. Uh, anyway, uh, the church. It's all cleaned up, and Michael's preaching to a small group about how good always wins out. And hey, you know, Joseph was wrongly imprisoned too. Which fair point. That's true. Uh, which I guess also implies that Michael can has the power of prophecy and can read dreams. Uh, Lisa shows up and gives him a big check, but she turns him down when he asks him out. Well, asks her out for lunch. Oh, sorry. Yeah, because she doesn't eat fucking moldy bread. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know this great place next to a dumpster. Maybe we can go there sometime. Everything's free because it's 30 days old. Uh, then we flash back to Lisa being refused to see Michael by the warden. The warden says he doesn't want to see you. And the warden goes back to Michael and literally says, she's gone. You can complete your journey alone now. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a fucking Ronin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to walk the swordsman's path, and like, uh, the, it's it's such an amazing moment because the warden seems really disgusted at Michael's choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, as if the warden was is he's a moment away from saying like, so can I ask Lisa out now? Mm-hmm. You you've clearly expressed no interest in her anymore. So is it cool if because look, a lady like that. She needs she needs the kind of living only a warden's salary can provide. <laughs> yeah, has she has she ever expressed an interest in wardens before? <laughs> uh, Michael gets convinced to enter the Kenny Dobbs dunk competition, and that's when Terrell insults a short player by saying he's too short to dunk. It's impossible, and then he does it. Mm-hmm. And the movie acts like this is the climax of Rudy. The music swells. The crowd who are watching this pickup get basketball game, they go nuts. I was like, is this the end of the movie? Like, you're making a lot out of a moment that happens 50 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. I will also say that, like, I realize that this is a movie about dunking. Mm-hmm. I understand that <laughs> dunking, dunking is at the heart. I like heart. where this is going. Well, I, I realize that dunking is at the heart of this movie. He's like, movie, I'll give you this. I know that at your core concept is that basketballs can be put into basketball hoops with your hands by jumping up to the hoop. Yeah. I'll give you that. The mechanics, way, the way they work out. But continue, Dan. But, well, when they play basketball, it appears that 100% of the basketball they play is about dunking. Like that is yeah, all they yeah. do. Like it's I've like seen a, basketball it's like games. Fundamentals, McCoy. <laughs> it's <laughs> like an NBA Jam game. No one is shooting three pointers at all. Like no one's just doing like regular layups. They're Elliot, just, Elliot like, Dan is dunking. gripping the edge of the table, and his knuckles are white now. <laughs> I love that Dan is now coming out as a sports fan for the first time. I've never really noticed it. Dan has so many strong opinions about how basketball <laughs> should be played. Like like many white men who don't play basketball and never have, as seen later in the movie, he has many opinions about how people should play basketball. <laughs> I just don't want all this showboating, Elliot. 
<laughs> you're like I'm watching it for the scoring. I'm not watching it to see human athleticism at its peak. Mm-hmm. I this movie is so much about slam dunks that it is a shame that it did not open up with like text on the screen that is a definition of a slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> that would be or like it shows like a. Uh, someone playing basketball in the 50s and he's like ah it's just so hard to throw the ball all the way from the floor to the to the hoop and then an old man walks in and says there is a prophecy <laughs> yep. of a new way to play basketball uh so anyway he michael's mom is still sick she's coughing he offers to get her medicine she says no the nearest store is 7 miles away and he goes i could take the bus and she where, says no don't where do they live <laughs> he also where in what what where is this that the nearest store is nearest store is 7 miles away but also that's not that far to travel if you take a bus yeah that's true like it's a if it's it was just this weird moment where she's like no don't go to the trouble of going to the bus to get me medicine. But she does make him promise if she dies, he'll take care of Tay. And I wonder if it's that she knows she's dying. There's nothing at the at the store that's going to help her. So she's just like, save the three seventy five, seven fifty for for both for a round trip that yeah. you were going to spend on getting me medicine. It's a lost cause. Not to mention the 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 cost of his time spent traveling when he could spend that time with her. Oh, that's true. And that's the most valuable resource because you'll never get more time. Mm-hmm. You can always make more money. But time, it only happens. Okay. There, uh, there's the Now we're at the Kenny Dobbs dunk competition. Mm-hmm. This guy the, – and the champion of the competition is taunting him and it has – his name is The Jammer. Uh-huh. And it has the oh, best conversation. the hero of the movie. <laughs> the hero of the movie, Jammer, who we later learn has a master's in education also. <laughs> but the, uh, there's a part, the dumb guy goes, hey – you're stupid. And he goes, I have a master's in education. It's like, why is this not the hero of the movie? Mm-hmm. He's a real role model. That It has the best exchange, I think, in the history of filmmaking where they go, hey, yo, listen, Jimmer. And he goes, I'm Jammer. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> okay, sorry, my apologies. Uh, uh, the announcers, they say that there, there are announcers for this stunt competition, three of them. They say it's being broadcast live in LA on all three stations. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and point out, usually – when all three networks stop to broadcast the same thing, the president is speaking because yeah. we are about to bomb a country where it's the state of the union. So what the, the three networks are like, you know what? Usually we compete. We compete for people's viewership, and that's why we show different things, to give them a menu of options so that they will select one or the other and we'll make money off it. But there are some moments in a nation's life where – you, you just have to cooperate to make sure people have the information they need to understand that this is a critical juncture in their lives and mm-hmm. the lives mm-hmm. of all people on the world. Mm-hmm. And the Kenny Dobbs local dunk competition <laughs> is one of those times. I mean, it, because, it, it does become a critical moment in at least one person's life. Uh, yeah, the jammer when he wins the competition. But we'll get that, get to that. Uh, but the, the event looks tiny. Uh, th- and we're just watching dunk after dunk. It's in like so a high school auditorium, like a high school gym, right? It's a, yeah, it's at a high school gym. Uh, and there's, it's just like, it just dunks. There's no plot. There's no, there's no a- music. There is nothing artful about how the dunks are, are shot. There's no slow motion. Yeah. No. And I want to say just- like, these are, I want to make it clear. These are like for all my dunk hatred before. 
These are feats of amazing athleticism. Like feats. Oh, Dan, oh Dan, suddenly, Dan's, suddenly. Pre- Dan's preventing uh, trying to get in front of people sending him nasty no, emails no, no. about suddenly, dunk hatred. Suddenly Dan loves dunks. <laughs> Colin Dunk McCoy. No, I'm gonna... Dunk McCoy here, biggest fan of dunks. He loves them. I'm Master gonna, of dunks. I'm going to praise them to bury them, Elliot. I'm going to oh, say okay. that these are feats of athleticism that like, even as a much younger man, I could never have hoped mm-hmm. to come close to be able to do. However... Uh-huh. When you string a bunch of dunks back to back for 10 you minutes. You become desensitized to the dunks. <laughs> they become very boring. Well, that's why they do the tricks because dunks are like porn where the more you watch it, again, like Stuart says, the more desensitized you get. You start getting into weird dunks that you feel kind of strange about watching mm-hmm. at first. But even that becomes normal and you start exploring like the very bizarre corners of the dunk net. Let's just call it the internet dunk area, the dunk net. Uh, let's call it the dunk web. Like, and you're just you're just exploring like an underworld of strange, bizarre, taboo dunks that you can't really talk about with anybody, and yet they become a normal part of your life now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. By, I'm saying that by the end of the competition, more stepsister dunks. <laughs> by the end of the comp- competition, it was like Dan was like, "Dunk, who cares? Dunk, I don't care." Duncan McLeod from Highlander, ho hum. <laughs> Duncan Donuts, yes please. Uh, and but and when Michael is in a in a in a show of I think extreme lack of tact, when Michael goes up for his part, the announcer goes, "Michael Diggs just out of prison after six years." Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, thanks, guy. Thanks for reminding everybody of that. I mean, while the I'm about to make a dunk. The announcer then would immediately run over and celebrate with him every time. Though I was like, is this bias? Yeah, well, but he does that with everybody. I, that announcer, he's... I don't think that, so. I think he's biased to who, Michael. Who was that guy? Was that guy Kenny Dobbs? Who's Kenny Dobbs? <laughs> Dan, who's Kenny Dobbs? I feel like Kenny Dobbs is like a local entrepreneur, like a charitable entrepreneur who sponsors these dunk competitions. Oh, uh, how did he it's, make his oh, How did he make his money that he then donated to charity? Uh, he was a hat magnate. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> he, owns, he owns a bunch of a hab- lids. A haberdasher? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah, the yeah. The finest Dobbs, of haberdasheries, lids. lids. Yeah. Okay, so that guy who's announcing, I think, is Kenny Dobbs, who's a famous dunker. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. After doing some minimal Googling that I could have done earlier, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Uh, we also see a sign. I don't know if you guys noticed it. We see a sign in this scene for Hyderabad Talkies, which I believe is one of the, mo- one of the companies that made this movie. Okay, well, I guess uh, get in where you fit in, huh? And then later on, the head of Hyderabad Talkies is a character in the movie, as we'll see, with the implication, I guess, that maybe this is a true story that inspired them to make the movie. I don't know. Anyway, or or it's like uh, how Marvel Comics exists within the Marvel Universe, and it tells fictional stories about the superheroes. Wait, is that true? Yeah. There was one there was one week when Marvel years ago Marvel printed a bunch of books where they were like these are the comics that the Marvel universe has and it was like Daredevil and Spider-Man but Daredevil was a real devil and Spider-Man was an actual spider like people who who have these characters are so famous that people do like bootleg comics based on their idea of who they are and this is what these are the comics that people read within the Marvel universe whereas as we all know from Watchmen in a universe with real superheroes you read pirate comics yeah that makes much more sense. Yeah, so, right, Dan. Yes. Anyway, so so who dunking wins, competition. Who wins the you would think this is you think this is the climax of the movie. There's almost an hour left after this, uh, but Jammer wins the competition and the fifty thousand dollar prize. Michael is talking to a reporter when his mom collapses in the stands. Oh no! He goes to the hospital. If only he dunked of, better. 
Yeah, if only he had won the competition, maybe she wouldn't have died. Instead of just uh, winning $25,000. Which we find out in the next scene. So, uh, oh, at the hospital, where there is some of the best extra acting I've ever seen in a movie, <laughs> I think. These extras are so lively, and I was so taken, I wanted to know their stories. Uh, we learned that she had a stroke. Lisa shows up, and he says, no, 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 you go home. And then he has an argument with Tay. Wait, the he, didn't, tell me- he didn't just have the warden do it? <laughs> it would be so great if Lisa goes, Michael, what can I do for you? And Michael just shakes his head no and turns and the warden is sitting there and goes, Lisa, he doesn't want to talk to you right now. Uh, I heard, uh, Michael, when I heard your mom was sick, I came as soon as I could. I'm the warden. I love you. Uh, so the doctors tell Michael, your insurance can't cover a private room. It costs $26,000 a month. He hands them the $25,000 check he won at the dunk competition and says, I'll get the other thousand. Now, before this moment, we didn't know he won any money from that competition. <laughs> yeah. Also, so his second... They go yeah, on. I was going to say his second place finish, which seemed like a tragedy, has actually been great for him. $25,000? This guy was eating moldy bread yeah, a couple weeks ago. It's quite ago. a windfall. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, he's spending his $25,000 just to get his mother a private room. Not thinking about the medical bills that are likely to follow, like, not not, not actually using it to, for and like, I like the healing the, of his mother. And I like that the price tag is delivered by a man who claims to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that usually doesn't happen, right? So you're saying that he just, that could be a con man who just walked in and expected some money? I mean, also that, yeah, usually don't pay the doctor on the spot for the room. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's going to take that <laughs> yeah. oversized novelty check. <laughs> Michael leaves and, like, the guy's like, I can't accept this. You He's like, I guess I'll take this to the billing department. You Thanks. E- you haven't even endorsed this check, sir. <laughs> uh, it just Michael got the imprint to- of a basketball <laughs> like you've dunked onto the check. <laughs> In the memo, it says, for great dunking. <laughs> uh, so Michael goes to church and he tearfully prays to God for his mother's health. In a scene that is not well acted, but I couldn't help being touched by it because this is the concept of the scene, like that this guy is at his lowest ebb, his mother is dying, the only one he can turn to is God. And like, that's a sad moment. I don't care how poorly made it is. That's a moment that's going to make me tear up every time. Guys, tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Tell me why my heart should be as cold as stone. Uh, I think, Elliot, you shouldn't care because... You know, she's just going to live on in glory in the next life, so why be sad about that after all? Very fair. Maybe she'll be reincarnated as a woman who can dunk. Maybe she <laughs> yeah. could dunk. Oh, I shouldn't judge her that way. Yeah, Everyone mean, in this how movie do you think can he dunk. learned? Yeah, good point. Good point. Fair point. So uh, Craig and Lisa go to a surprisingly small nightclub, uh, and Lisa on the way there is like, Michael's mom had a stroke, and Craig's like, damn, that's too bad. All right, let's get it on. Let's have some fun. And... Craig is mad at Lisa for not being into the party atmosphere because she's still thinking about her ex-fiance's mom having had a stroke. And uh, Craig delivers another great line. Why do you care about him and his mom so much? It's irritating me. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the club where he orders what, like? He orders another 40 from the the, the, uh, waiter, but he's like drinking something out of a champagne flute. Well, what he was ordering was 40 bottles of Cristal. Oh. No, that's... he had like a 40 on the table. Well, I saw maybe it. he Okay, well maybe he wanted another one just to look at because <laughs> he could look at the 40 and be like, I've come so far. Now I'm drinking champagne. Yeah. All and right. part of me's like, yeah, like champagne makes sense. Like malt liquor, that's too many calories. He's a professional athlete. He shouldn't be drinking that. 
Very good. Very good point. He should know about that. Uh, so they get into a fight. She's leaving, and he, Craig's like, you're going to leave for him? He makes 10 an hour. And she goes, yeah, but he has a million-dollar heart. And then leaves. Which and I think should have been the name of the movie, right? Million Dollar Heart. We can heart. all agree I mean, that Slamma Jamma was a first pass. <laughs> <laughs> but then people might think it was a combination of Million Dollar Baby and Crazy Heart. Which it kind of is. In a way, I guess, yeah. Uh, then there's another great moment where uh, this woman goes, hey, if you're looking for a lady, and he goes, get out of here, Hoochie. And she goes, don't call me a Hoochie, and punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. This movie is uh, rich with incident. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh even though its characters are not rich with money. Except yeah. for Craig, who's a professional basketball player. Mom tells Michael she loves him and then dies. Michael cries very unconvincingly. He gives a eulogy <laughs> at her funeral, and we keep seeing the same shot of Tay with one tear streak down his face. Yep. Uh, and Tay won't go hang out with Michael. What can Michael do with his grief other than practice for the next dunk contest? The weird thing is is his one friend, uh, the he has the, the dumb friend and then the white guy friend. And the white guy friend, yeah. in every scene before this, is wearing a hat of some kind, but at the funeral, his head is uncovered. What is going on, Elliot? Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of a show of respect to not wear a hat unless it's a Jewish <laughs> funeral, in which case you would cover your head. I'm guessing that Michael Diggs is not Jewish, but who knows? Perhaps they're a Jewish family, and I just didn't realize it. Thank you for thank you for explaining that uh, that perceived plot hole for me. <laughs> I just I, I I wanted to improve your in your knowledge of hat etiquette, or as I call it, hat etiquette. You know, guys. Let's take a walk down the long and interesting road of hat etiquette, because while hats have been with us for thousands of years, Mm -hmm. so has politeness. Join me now as I'll show you the proper time to doff your chapeau Mm -hmm. and the proper time to cover your noggin Uh in a little show I call Elliot Kalin Hat Police. (laughs) (laughs) Freeze, hands up. Get that hat off your head. Hats up. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, I'm Elliot Kalen. Okay. Welcome to Elliot Kalen Happily. Still going on. And today we're going to look at some crazy criminals of the head covering variety. Dan, take it away. And then at the end, uh, we're going to be touching base with our favorite hat based movies, and we're going to be watching Gangster Squad. <laughs> the ha- the hat headed hand herders are at it again, wearing their head hats or hats as we call them. Uh, you know, guys. I gave a head talk the other day, and it was all about <laughs> It was hats. all about oral sex. <laughs> There's only two things they talk about at head talks. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, it was head talk X, which is true. That's It's the porn version of it. Okay. okay. And you did that from the back of a cab while David Duchovny drove you around town. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was the head shoe diaries. Anyway, uh, guys, Michael needs to invent a crazy new dunk for this dunk contest. But first, he's got bigger fish to fry. He goes to Gang HQ, which uh, is a, just under an overpass where guys just stand around milling about holding guns. It looks like the gang members are just <laughs> mingling all the time. Uh, he wants to see Tay. The gang leader tells him, you're in trouble. You hate me, right? And he goes, no, God will protect me, and I don't hate anyone. Even when he has a gun in his face, he refuses to say anything bad about anybody. Michael pleads with Tay. Leave and respect God and Ma. And he starts crying. I love you. I love you. You're a white piece of paper. There's not a mark on you. Please don't make the same mistakes I did. When the only mistake he really made was in trusting a man would pay him to go meet a friend of his. He gives this heartfelt speech. So heartfelt. The gang leader's evil heart turns warm again. Much like Pharaoh's heart was softened by the death of his firstborn son in the book of Exodus. Uh Uh, this, This speech turns him around. He says, Tay, go with your brother. Leave now. 
and we never see that gang yeah. ever again. He, uh, he, uh, Harry and the Hendersons, him. We don't even like you. Get going. Get out of here. Uh, this is a scene Michael that, by the way, that occurs directly after the scene with Tay at the funeral. So, like, he could have said all of these things to Tay at the funeral, not around gang members who are threatening him with guns. I just Look, want to point it, that he had out. to walk into the lion's den, and it took him time to write that speech and then memorize it. Okay, mm-hmm. he's not the best extemporaneous speaker, uh, as, <laughs> as like he said it with like as you saw during his eulogy for his mom. Eulogy, more like foology. Oh boy! <laughs> oh man! I didn't realize <laughs> you were writing uh, eulogy reviews for the paper. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm writing eulogy <laughs> eulogy roasts. Uh, so, yeah, uh, real Armin White to- over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael gets back together with Lisa. Hooray! And then there's, of course, a training montage. There's only two weeks till the National Dunk Championship, and his training involves a lot of wearing leg weights and having guys say, more, more, <laughs> lower, lower, do it more. And he says to win, he's going to have to do the impossible dunk of 540. That's when you spin around, dunk it, and then spin around again, seemingly in all defiance of the law of physics. It's he, impossible. I think this is the only time where they define some element of dunking in the movie is when he's like, I'm going to have to do the impossible. And he walks away. And then his friends like, he's going to try a 540, blah, blah, blah. So I, other than that, they just name the dunks. When people dunk, they're like windmill the, up top. I mean, they don't even do, they don't even do the basics of like, have the announcers introduce the dunk competition and be like, there's going to be three rounds of dunking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because they figure anyone who's watching this, they know the rules of the dunk. Come on. They know dunk law. Guys, it's time for the main event, the Slamma Jamma Tournament. The winner gets a million dollars. But Michael Diggs, first he's up against the Jammer, but he's also up against German champion Frank Frondheim, who is a blonde man who never smiles and only says one thing in the entire movie. Guys, I hope you like watching more dunks because we're going to see everything. And even Craig forces his way into the competition despite being an NBA champ, which is against the rules. But they'll allow it. Uh, now, I think my favorite trick is when Michael Diggs dunks by jumping over a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> which, some, which and, when we were watching, Dan was like, but that's shorter than a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throughout the and most of the dunks involve them having to jump over a tall man to jump. It's not, of course, the tall man, Angus Scrim, which is disappointing. Uh-huh. But if only, because then he could say, Stuart. He would say, nice dunk, boy. <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, he uh, does know his way around balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I mean, that sounded more like a double entendre than a joke about the spheres that kill people. But OK, uh, so. Craig, he almost loses out of the competition, but then his sports agent, Terrell, what does he do? He bribes one of the judges. That judge, you guessed it. Who else to judge a dunk competition one of, than, dis- one than of disgraced the, baseball great? One of the Bash brothers, Jose, Jose Canseco. Canseco. Oh, yeah. Jose, can you see? Sporting, Jose Canseco is judging this dunk sporting competition. some fingers. <laughs> and it's one of these things where he's like, uh, he's like, why didn't you give him a higher score? It was a boring dunk. I've seen that dunk before. It's like, what do you know about dunks, dude? You're a baseball player. Come on. Uh, but then the gut trail says, what about two Clippers tickets, floor seats? And he goes, I'm a Hall of Famer. I've done all these things. You think I'm going to give up this for two tickets? And he goes, four tickets. Done. Great. And he changes the score. And it's like, and then a little, not expect. Then a little kid a little, shows up. Oh, yeah, that's right. A little kid says, Jose Canseco, I looked up to you. How could you do that? And he goes, 
get with the real world kid. <laughs> yeah, it was the one time I genuinely laughed at the movie rather than at it. Where Which he, was like when when asshole Jose Canseco walks in. Exactly. Playing like he like the lifts the kid up too to like deliver this like <laughs> the real world sucks message. <laughs> he's he's playing the version of Jose Canseco that he would play on extras. Like it's it's a pretty yeah. interesting take. Uh Michael's friend goes and embarrasses a sports critic on national TV after he criticizes Michael. Uh, it's introducing the concept of a sports critic, which is something I had never heard of before. Uh, uh-oh. This, the purported champion, Jammer, he chokes. He's out. Craig, he chokes. And then Michael does the impossible, the 540 dunk. He wins the championship. Now, this dunk, it seems to involve him spinning around dunking and then while holding onto the rim, spinning himself around again. And it's like once the ball's in the hoop, who gives a shit what he does? Wow. <laughs> like, Harsh that, critique. I guess we have a sports critic on our hands. <laughs> and now look, like the sports critic in the in the movie, I've never played basketball, don't know anything about it, and don't want to play it. But it seems like he just added a little flourish onto a regular 360 dunk. I'm just saying, guys, yeah, it's he, time for dunk it, gate. He, he did a little fucking hasta la vista there, baby, at the end. <laughs> And shades of Karate Kid, the German and Jammer really nice to him after he wins. He wins a million dollars, which is handed to him by the president of Hyderabad Talkies, who mm-hmm. for some reason is at this stunt competition. And then a woman runs in and says, oh, yeah, and we at Fly Less Airlines want to offer him a five-year contract. And it's like, doing what? Hold on a second. <laughs> what? Like The assumption, I guess, is that it's an endorsement deal. But all we know is that this airline, which is called Fly Less, which is crazy, that this airline wants to give him a five-year contract to what, be a pilot, well, a flight attendant? It's because, I don't understand. Uh, they're to called play basketball that because they, the have fewer, they have fewer insects inside their planes. Oh, I mean, that is a great bonus. That is something I would choose them for. <laughs> because I, the thing that bugs me worst about flying Delta the wasps nests everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You just keep you you keep bonking them with the broom you brought along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then hitting them with the hose for that express purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then a sports agent runs up and says, Hey, Mark Cuban just called. He wants you in the NBA. And Terrell's like, I could represent you. And Michael goes, No way. Michael just walks past him, gives him the cold shoulder. And Michael and Lisa walk arm in arm onto the beach. And she tells her their friends that they're going to get married. Yeah. And- Slam a jamma has been slammed and jammed. What this most most reminded me of is the end of Wayne's World where they're like, let's do the mega happy ending because they yeah. like it's just like thing after thing after thing turns out well for him all at once. Yeah, and I mean get- the one thing they do, I wish they'd gone all the way and had his mom show up and go, "I'm better." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, or like at the very least have like a small child show up with a twinkle in their eye and be like, "I'm your mom reincarnated." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh! Something that uh, I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention when I mentioned earlier that it was the same cinematographer as uh, the man who did uh, Jurassic Park and Roger Rabbit and the Fro- the Fog and a couple of Halloween movies and two of the Back to the Futures mm-hmm. is that he has also made a Flophouse movie before. Oh, what? That? the same cinematographer who did a little movie called Playing for Keeps, Wait. aka. <laughs> Bad Dad, Soccer Dad. So that's right. Oh, uh, okay. He's a Flophouse regular for sports movies. The uh, There was actually, in the second dunk competition, there's a couple of shots that were kind of cool where it would uh, the camera would follow the guy, uh, follow the person after the dunk as they, like, like walk past the crowd. <laughs> there was a moment when I, like, literally turned to Dan and was like, oh, I kind of like that shot. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> okay, well, that there you go. Well, you can thank him for that. Uh-huh. So we'll, I guess that raises it to an A++. <laughs> Oscar-nominated cinematographer, Dean Cundy. 
Okay. You can thank him for that shot. I uh, I so, thought that when you said you had a little uh, factoid about him, you were going to be like, turns out he uh, was involved in a botched robbery too and was sent to jail. <laughs> and that's why this movie was shot so poorly. <laughs> yep, probably, yeah. Um, yeah, so Slamma Jamma. We should uh, give our final judgments about it. Cool. So what, what do we judge it on? Uh, uh, 10 <laughs> how, out of 10 dunks? Slams, how much it jams? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many? Dan, what are the fundamentals? How do you grade on the fundamentals on this one? Uh, Seeing as that's what you love most. Yeah, the fundamentals are terrible. There's almost no dribbling in this movie, so I give it an F+. Plus. <laughs> oh, wow. At least <laughs> oh, it gets plus, a plus. Okay. Yeah. Room for improvement. Yeah. No, our traditional categories, of course, are, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Stuart, what do you have to say? This is 100% a good, bad movie. Uh, this is the sort of movie that, like, you want to watch with a, you know, you want to crack a couple of Redenbachers, get your friends over. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every single scene, it feels like the character, like all the actors are standing still, and then you can see the director give them the action sign, and then they, <laughs> they just start moving and stuff. It's great. It's uh, it's awesome. What a movie! Watch. Slam I'm gonna Jamma. agree with. I'm gonna agree with Stewart. It is a good bad movie. Yeah, let's make it unanimous. Unanimous. I said that word weird. Yep. Like, that's okay. unlike I mean, most of your words. <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's, I mean, it's rare for you to misspeak, so we'll just let it slide. Okay. Um, so uh, let's pick up this movie and let's carry it into the halls of good, bad movie dumb. <laughs> all right. What so we do? Raise it to the rafters as we retire it, like yeah. all good, bad movies. Uh huh. Along with what? Like Faithful Findings and Oogie Loves or something? I don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Hall of Shame. Sure. <laughs> Hello, listeners of Maximum Fun. I want to tell you about our newest podcast that tells you all about the truth of the flat earth. Have you been looking out over the horizon and you've been thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't look round. I've been lied to my whole life. What is NASA doing with $52 million Million a day? day? Uh, uh, come on. We explode the myths. Just kidding. We're Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we investigate extraordinary claims. That's right. We investigate extraordinary claims firsthand. We go undercover in fringe groups. We get alternative medicine treatments. And we hang out with people who have unusual beliefs, like flat earthers, 9-11 truthers. We do ghost investigations. We've joined Scientology. And we got baptized in the Mormon church. If it goes bump in the night, then so do we. <laughs> hmm. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie? at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman.
Okay, what do we do now, Dan? Uh, we've got a few. We can talk about Slamma Jamma some more. Okay, we open on no. a basketball game. <laughs> we have a few sponsors. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, first is Casper. The Flophouse is supported in part by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You know why they offer affordable prices, Stuart? Why is that? Because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to the consumer. Oh, that's cool. So, like, uh, like just they just show up to you on the street and give you a mattress? <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's money exchange, too. Yeah, I, I, in an envelope, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, they say, hey, I got this really great mattress. It's only $1,000. Come with me here. And then they rob a store, right? Uh, I can only assume that's how they keep their prices so low. Mm-hmm, because it's a steal. <laughs> because of crime. It's a crime, yeah. Now, Dan, they are they cut out the middleman so uh-huh. they can sell directly to you a high quality mailable mattress. And you said they're changing these things, they're, they're revolutioning it one night at a time. And it reminded me that one night in Bangkok makes a grown man humble mm-hmm. at how comfortable a Casper mattress is. <laughs> you, you just thought of that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink. And bounce. And what more do you want in a mattress than sink and bounce? We have written we have written stories on the sink and bounce of Dan's mat- Casper mattress. Okay, uh, I don't like that. You can be stories sure, the world is not ready for. You can be sure of your purchase with Caps Casper's one hundred night risk free sleep on it trial. Get fifty dollars toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash flophouse and using promo code flophouse. All one word at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Dan, you've been very happy with your Casper mattress, right? Uh, I have. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about it. You just moved apartments and you brought the same mattress with me? I brought the same mattress with me. I did not decide, hey, time for, uh, you know, throw this fucker out on the corner. Put it out on the curb and have it turn into a piece of public art. Yeah. (laughs) No, because I was, you know, there may have been an an enigma of Casper Hauser. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no enigma with Casper mattress. It's just a great mattress. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm surprised they don't use that in their copy. <laughs> uh, and we are also supported in part by Squarespace. Mm. The, the, the website development <laughs> service. Yeah. That you can use to turn your cool idea into a new website and showcase Dan, were you waiting work. for us to disagree with you about what <laughs> Squarespace is? No, Dan is. started was, doing it weird, and I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at him. Dan started doing a bit and immediately abandoned it. <laughs> uh, you can do it. You can use it for all sorts of things, showcasing your work, announcing an upcoming event or special product. You can use your the powerful e-commerce functionality to sell anything you want online. And you can do that because Squarespace offers beautiful templates Created by world-class designers with free and secure hosting and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Nothing Now, Dan, that all sounds ever. fantastic. And it, it's super helpful to me because I actually have a website idea that I wanted to get off the ground. Oh, that's cool. This, super is, excited about this is your first website, right? You've never made I've one never, before. I've never made one before. I've never even had an idea for one before. But mm-hmm. now I do Inspired by the Movie. Uh, and it's called jamslammer.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and it's like, I was inspired by Slamajama, all these amazing dunks. And it reminded me, people love the taste of jam. And they also love taking shots. So what if there was an, a, a kind of like Blue Apron style thing that would send you shot glasses preloaded with jam so that you could just <laughs> slam them down in delicious flavors? And you know we've got mulberry, 
We've got blackberry. We've got gooseberry. We've got a bunch of heirloom berries. Uh, all apple, pear, uh, beef. Is that a jam? It is now. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of marmalades too fit in there. So jamslammer.com would be your place where you would sign up. Every month you would get three different shot glasses full of jam a month. And then you just slam them down and tell us how you like it. And we try to tailor it to you. Well, Elliot, I got some good news. Uh, according to a quick Google search, uh, jamslammer.com is available. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, Wonderful. And so, Dan, uh, Squarespace can help me with that? Oh, sure they can. Now, I, hold on one second, though. I want to ask, now this uh, jam slamming uh, that you do, do you just yes. do that? Just Do you just have the jam alone, or do you, like, have the jam, you slam the jam, yep. and then you have a little, you eat a little toast or biscuit right afterwards? So the flavors all sort of merge in your or mouth. Maybe a salmon. Oh. Would you slam a salmon afterwards? You I mean, if it's, sla- if it's if it's salmon jam, then you could just slam the salmon in the jam. Okay, it's just a salmon jam slam. Uh, but yeah, Dan, it comes. You can you'll you'll get little bits of bread occasionally, maybe like some pickle juice. So you can do like a pickle jam, we call it, <laughs> where you do a shot of jam and then you do a shot of pickle juice. Okay, and it's all you just want to mix those flavors and see what comes out. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see what comes out. Uh, <laughs> So go to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use your offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, And uh, one small note, before we get into Jumbotrons, Mm -hmm. I just want to do a little shout-out to uh, a listener, Mike Galato. His brother informed me he's very ill. Our our hearts are with you. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, but I just want to say... Uh, thanks for listening, and we hope you feel well. Yes. Uh, but, Elliot, I believe you have a Jumbotron to read. I do have a Jumbotron. Uh, this is a Jumbotron that's a message for Nathan, and the message is from Emily. So if you're named Nathan and you know someone named Emily, this is a message for you, probably. And the message is, Happy birthday to a smart, cultural, droll, and debonair man who will still always be 12 days younger than me. Thanks for introducing me to the Peaches. So that's for Nathan from Emily. Happy birthday, Nathan. Oh, happy birthday, Nathan. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> so that's our sponsorship section, but there's more. What? There's so much more. You think they talked about Slamajama for, for seven hours. How could there be more? But there is. Dan? Before we move on, uh, we've got a couple live shows that we should uh, let the folks know about. Oh, so people can see us in person and tell us that uh, we are totally wrong about our review of Slamajama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first show is actually happening. 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 It's happening. <laughs> the first show is actually real happening. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's happening at uh, Stewart and my alma mater, Harlem College. We get to return to the place of our meeting. Mm-hmm. We get to return like to our college. Heroes. Yep, like a couple of heroes doing a victory mm-hmm. lap. Where we're gonna turn our fucking chairs around and rap to all the kids, and uh, yeah, I'm scared of. Uh, it's part <laughs> I'm of the scared of talking Dan, to college. It's students. part of the yeah. artists and lecture series. Dan, don't worry your uh, your bits about uh, political correctness gone wild and stuff. <laughs> we'll just go over super well. Yeah, yeah. Now, are we artists or are we lecturers? I think we're lecturers. We are, I think we're lecturers, but we lecture about artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Dan, are you worried that Antifa is gonna is gonna protest our appearance? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, what is it? Well, I, people say Antifa, but that makes it sound like it's an ant 
like my auntie fa uh, and i don't like that okay yeah Yours makes more sense for what it's uh, shortened up. Well, it's similar to how it should be Magneto, but everyone says Magneto. Yeah. So, Dan, when is this show at Earlham? I cannot, and I genuinely cannot wait to see where you guys met and your for, had your formative experiences where mm-hmm. Stuart, I assume, made and, his first and let me just, where let, Dan first, uh, I guess, grew a sadness beard. Stuart, what were you going to say? I was going to say, and I just want to throw this out there, Dan will be available that evening for all the cool parties. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dan's, oh, yeah. Dan's really I fun, everybody. <laughs> so make sure uh, he's, he's available. He doesn't have plans. He's a guy hanging out with college students. It's not. <laughs> yes, he will be. So if there's a sorority <laughs> on campus, It seems weird now, but when there. you're in the moment, you're like, it's not that weird. We're all like cool adults. <laughs> yeah, remember how cool they were in old school? Oh, it's going to be like that. I just got an email from Earlham, and they said we can't come now. <laughs> uh, well, until it was canceled, Dan, uh, when is this show happening? It is happening on Saturday, November the 3rd of this year at <laughs> 7.30 in the evening. And uh, tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can get them for $10. Is it's it open the, to the public. And it's in this. is it in the same theater that you were the lead in Hair? Uh, I don't think so. I think if it is, then Dan, please don't take your clothes off. He didn't take his clothes off in the original in the production of Hair. Oh, that's right. Because he doesn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) When you originated the role, yeah. Uh, But Dan, uh, then you probably should take your clothes off if you didn't get to during that production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if you want to see us perform live at Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, and see Dan with no clothes on, that's the Flop House, November third. Yeah, and if you uh, you know just. We'll have it up on the website, but also if you Google Earlham, which is pronounced, it's, it's pronounced, it's, which is spelled <laughs> Earl Ham uh, and Flophouse, you'll find it. In Richmond, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to say we have another live show just a couple months after that one. In the beginning of the new year, we're going to be appearing at the University of Wisconsin-Madison on Saturday, January 26th, 2019. At 8 p.m. in the uh, Wisconsin Union Theater, I believe it is. And it's another college show. Should be pretty fun. That's my sister's alma mater. So I have kind of a connection with it, I guess. Cool. And Dan, just get your state capital dome jokes ready because you you know what it means. Madison has the largest state capital dome in the whole country. And oh, okay. I think we're going to probably make some hay out of that. <laughs> oh, man. Watch yeah, out. In your face, Madison. With your, <laughs> what are you, what are you trying to compensate for with that giant dome? Mm-hmm. Oh man! Uh, wait, I'm holding Dan back. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan, Dan, don't let him have it. Save it. Uh, so, so that'll be fun, and come out to see us in January if you're in the Wisconsin Madison area. That's crazy. Uh, Two Midwesty shows, huh? That's nuts. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be. It's our. It's called our flyover tour. Yeah. Of two, Actually, it's of not called that. Two, and I think, two dates. Uh, I think uh, assuming that we can... <laughs> two months apart. <laughs> I hate to make this promise now, but assuming that we can sell merch, we'll have the last bit of our 2018 tour merch available at those sh- two shows. Great. That sounds great to me. Uh, guys, those are our live shows. But I have something else that's coming up even right before those live shows What's that what? I want to tell the people about. Uh, look, I have a book coming out. That's true. And I'll tell you what it's all about. Horses. They pull our wagons, carry our cowboys, and eat our hay. But are they really just very big dogs? Dogs. They protect our homes, chase our cats, and keep our faces moist. But is it possible they're just tiny baby horses? Find out 
in Horse Meets Dog, the new book by writer Elliot Kalin and illustrator Tim Miller. Horse Meets Dog, which side will you be on? Available October 30th, wherever you buy your books. So that's a picture book that I wrote, and it was illustrated by the great Tim Miller, who's best known, I think, for the Snapsy, the alligator books. And it's available October 30th this year. So go wherever you want to buy books, at your local independent bookstore or whatever, what, and go uh, buy it. Where would it. What section of the Barnes & Noble booksellers would I find it? Uh, in the children's book section. Okay. It is uh, a children's picture book. Okay. Not a, not the other picture book sections. Not in the adult picture book section, which I guess is just that go the fuck to sleep book and uh, like dirty parodies of children's books. Wait, those... Like where the wild things fart and stuff like that. So this that is not in... And, uh, and the very horny caterpillar. Yeah, it's not in self-help slash sexuality. <laughs> no, or in uh, religious studies. It's not in that either. Neither is it in Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or the show Home Improvement. <laughs> or the show Home Improvement. Uh, neither is it in li- fiction and literature. And you're like, which is which? Barnes Noble. Just call them all one or the other. But yeah, Horse Meets Dog, October 30th. My first picture book. Very excited about it. All right. Oh, man. There's so many plugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just what like are we, a the top of an aging man- yeah, man's head? Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan, we went to the same place, but in different ways. Yep. Uh, you took the high road, I took the ro- low road, and I got to Scotland before ye. This first letter that we're going to respond to is from Brian, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Brian Cox. Who writes, <laughs> Wow. Dear Pervisoid number one, Pervisoid West, and Stu. Mm-hmm. Longtime listener, big fan. Thanks for helping me get through rough patches. I picked up three packs. Thanks for listening. You're... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't thanking you, Dan. <laughs> Why not? I'm a listener. I was thanking Brian Cox. All right. I picked up three packs of... Striker Gr- from X2. <laughs> I picked up three packs of Gremlins 2 trading cards to send you all for the holidays, but my young nephew was so fascinated by them that I gave him t- them to him instead. That's better. I'm it's sorry. Gospel. But it's adorable, and I'm planning on sending you something else soon to make up for it. Now for my question. I recently had to watch Jaws for an assignment in my screenwriting class. Oh, rough. I had, <laughs> I had, yeah, what a piece of garbage. <laughs> I, I had forgotten how much I loved the USS Indianapolis monologue in the movie, but also how little it does to actually advance the main plot. It's a nice long character moment, three-fourths of the way through a movie about blowing up a shark. What are some of your favorite moments? I like that description of Jaws. A movie about blowing up a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it? It's it is right. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your favorite moments from movies that aren't there to advance the main plot line of that movie? That's from Brian. Last name withheld. I would say that his uh that that true that that scene doesn't advance the plot, but it does build tension and advance the theme of the movie, which is sharks are bad. So Brian Cox, you may be a famous actor, but. I take a little bit of issue with it. I mean, but, he uh, says doesn't advance the plot, though. That doesn't. It he's doesn't not advance saying the that plot. They, that the the scene doesn't belong in the movie. That's a fair point. Uh, do you guys want to answer first, or should I answer first? Uh, the one that sprung to my mind. I mean, there's like okay. Uh, there's don't ob- answer my question. Just just keep to start. Okay. <laughs> there's obvious ones like I don't know, like the Dybbuk story and a serious man or something like that. The one that sprung to my mind. Was uh, it advances the plot, but in a mo- in an unnecessary way, and that's the long fight scene and they live. Like it is key that he gets those sunglasses onto Keith David, so uh, we, you know we know that, like the heroes come together in knowing the bad the, that the villains exist, 
but it doesn't have to happen in the the format of a eight to eleven minute knockdown drag out fight mm-hmm. in the back of a, an alleyway. Mm-hmm. But the movie would be all the less rich for it if they cut that out. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I I don't want to anticipate what Elliot's going to say, but I'm uh, I'm pretty sure the correct answer to this is the claymation hamburger scene from better off dead (laughs) (laughs) i have a similar answer but that is a great that's a great scene it is a scene that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie doesn't advance the themes and simply just gives us uh some van halen uh so monty python and the holy grail and Monty python and the life of brian i'm sorry Monty python and the holy grail every scene is about not advancing the plot Mm -hmm. which i like but in life of brian which is the most plot centric of the monty python movies uh, I ha- I love the moment when he falls into an alien spaceship and mm-hmm. it just flies around space for a little bit and then crashes and he gets out and it starts with him being chased. He falls into a spaceship, which is itself chased. It crashes, he gets out and the chase continues. And so it has not helped him or hurt him at all that this happened. <laughs> it's just this brief moment of like, we need something for Terry Gilliam to do in this movie. <laughs> so we'll have an alien come along. And I just love how gratuitous and arbitrary it is. Yeah. Now, I also <clears throat> wanted to mention my least favorite movie scene that doesn't advance the plot. From a movie I love, I got two words for you. Ghost blowjob. Not a fan of that scene. <laughs> Not necessary. You don't think it advances the plot? Uh, what part of the plot does it advance? Uh, that, it shows like, that Ray ghosts is are a, horny. <laughs> <laughs> which does not pay off in any... I guess it pays... Actually, it totally you know does. what? It pays off later when Dana is trying to have sex with, with Bill Murray and then does with... Uh, with Louis Robert Tully. Moranis. So you're right. It sets that it set, it plants plants that seed of horny ghosts. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this, and this is not. I'm a big fan. Anytime movies incorporate scenes where characters are eating or like doing little life touches, I, I don't know. Uh-huh. It's, it's not specific, but like, I just like it when characters prove that they're human. <laughs> Those long pooping scenes. That's what Stuart loves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or uh, normal, say, normal uh, length pooping scenes. <laughs> <laughs> what is normal length for a pooping scene like jeff daniels and dumb and dumber like is that long or is that normal length <laughs> that's a good question dan um <laughs> moving on uh this next letter is titled i was six years old when your podcast started oh chilling Ooh, wow <laughs> feel old <laughs> yet want to feel old it was from hannah last name withheld and it goes oh Tana. montana yeah yeah what up, Nectarines? I started listening a few months ago, and I wanted to let you know that your podcast is hip with the kids. Mm-mm. I rated five and a half dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. Okay. Finally, after <laughs> the story checks out. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what a kid would say. Finally, after years of parental control, hi, Mom, I've been allowed to partake in the forbidden f- fruit, peaches, if you will, that is the Flophouse. I guess 17 is the appropriate age for lengthy conversations about wormy boners. I just realized, <laughs> are we like... Are we like listening to a fucking like a dirty comedy album when your parents aren't around and giggling? Yeah, I think so. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, she continues. It's so, it's kind of surreal listening to the recommendations from some of the earlier episodes. One of my earliest movie mem- memories was seeing Wall-E in theaters, and Elliot's recommendation of Coraline reminded me of how much that film traumatized me and my sisters when we were younger. So thanks for creating a hilarious time capsule. Unrelated question. What are some of your favorite SNL skits? Sincerely, Hannah, last name withheld. I mainly picked that letter to make us all feel really old. Uh Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
But I mean, we can answer the question while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any favorite SNL skits that you remember? Did you just call them skits? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think she yeah, did because he's trying I, to make fun. No, of No, I know. I she she used the word skits, so I was. Just, she used skits, but she's a teenager. You're yeah. a, you're a comedy professional. All right, sketches for God's sake. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I would say I'm. Always, I've always been. I mean, I grew up when I was. Uh, so Hannah, I'll have you know that when I was a kid. It was during the heyday of the uh, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, yeah. Mike Myers era, or as I would know, the best era of Saturday Night Live because it's when I was a kid. And so well, something that's always meant a lot to me was the unfrozen caveman lawyer sketch because it's such a so ridiculously funny. convoluted premise, but they pull it off in such a straightforward way, and it's really funny that he is a caveman who is actually very clever and has become a lawyer and uses the fact that he's a caveman and people will assume that he is dumb to get what he wants. Yeah. Uh, I had a hard time with this. Uh, I like I like weird Jack Andy sketches. I like there's one that I looked up earlier today that's funny, but it's it's not as good as I remembered. It's called Tales of Fraud and Malfeasance and Railway Hiring Practices, which is such a Jack Andy name for a sketch. And it's one of those sketches that's just like a list of things, basically, like this guy asking the the person he's hiring whether he'd be willing to do various things to get a job mm-hmm. and they just it's just a list of absurd things in the way that Jack Handy is very good at doing mm-hmm. uh, it's the type of sketch I love it's not quite the right one uh, so I'm not sure I know the best answer for this I, I do remember I really enjoy uh, uh, oh fuck what's his name the celeb- I don't know, you really enjoy it the celebrity hot tub sketch the oh with Eddie Murphy yeah the, the uh, James, James Brown hot celebrity hot tub yeah. That's fun. <laughs> He's just going, hot tub. <laughs> yeah. That's hot. <laughs> uh, can I list uh, commercial parodies in here? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, Cluck and Chicken is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you That's the other one I was thinking about. I don't think anything has made me laugh harder as a child than the stupid Cluck and Chicken, uh, uh, that skit. I don't remember that one. What is that? Oh, well, what's that cooking at the Cluck and Chicken? That's me. That's me. <laughs> But First they the cut off takes... my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you know, try. Then they pull out my entrails, feathers, entrails. Trust me, you don't want to eat those. Eat, and then ouch. He he, t- he takes you through <laughs> through your eating it and then pooping it out. And then he looks into the toilet and goes, "Gaga ga, going." That's <laughs> <laughs> great. If you uh, want great chicken, just follow my head because his his bleeding, disembodied, decapitated head is bouncing around. And there was uh, there's a there's a sketch, uh, a commercial parody that I reference a lot with my wife is the one the uh, the car the chameleon that is uh, yeah. uh, it's a parody of that commercial where they like have a marble roll around the outside all the line like contour lines of a car. Uh, and the idea is this car looks like a shitty beat up old junker, but on the inside it's this super fancy car. And, uh, yeah. So they like put the marble on and it rolls down into a rust hole. (laughs) And the, like the locking mechanism makes the like suspension collapse. (laughs) The, uh, that's similar. I like, they had great, car ads and one of the ones i always liked was the adobe the car that's made out of clay oh yeah <laughs> yeah well this has been our reminiscence corner remember remember this the podcast yeah <laughs> i mean you must remember podcasts. this yeah colon snl mm-hmm. uh this is 
from Michael, last name withheld. Myers. Who, wow. Ah. Weird that he's writing. He's usually such Wait, a Michael Myers, silent the, guy. the killer from Halloween, or Michael Myers, the Mike Myers, the Saturday Night it's Live. It's the alone. same guy. <laughs> ah. Want to feel old? <laughs> uh, he he writes. What's up, Peaches? This mail is entirely for Stuart. Dan uh, and okay. Elliot can go suck an egg. Wow, just one egg though. Already for the up two to of it. Mmm, good eggs. Uh, Stuart. Okay. Did you know that there's a place in Cork, in Ireland where I live, called Castle Freak? No joke. It's a woodland surrounding the original Castle Freak, a castle owned by the Freak family. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming this is some kind of like weird invitation. Should I, should I, yeah, should if, I do it? If you should go there I and go? you sleep in that castle, it's yours. Oh, if, you can, if, if you I can sleep stay in the one night. For one night yeah. and don't rip off your own ding dong, then yeah, you get the castle. Oh, okay. I mean, the stakes stakes are high, but I think I'm up for it. So I'll see you there. Uh, who is that, Michael Myers? I'll see you there, Michael Myers. Okay. Uh, so I guess we should, do a, we should do a live show there, huh? At Castle Freak? Yeah. Yeah. LA, get on that. Uh, okay, uh, I'll <laughs> work on that because I... Have contacts there, I guess. Dan, what's the name of the guy who sent the letter? Make it Michael so. Michael Myers? Yeah. Okay. Make it so. Uh, last letter is from Sam, last name withheld, who just writes, Which Muppet are each of you? Sorry if this has been asked before. I feel like this has been discussed somewhere before, but I don't think it's been asked on the show. I'm probably Animal. Yeah. At least that's what mm-hmm. my hair looks like now. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of a Gonzo type, but also I, a Fozzie. And I'm about as uh, I'm about as easy to understand as as uh, animal. <laughs> and Dan, I always assumed you were one of those singing cows. That's with the Manamana guy. <laughs> that's right. No, but Dan, you're clearly the Kermit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say that, but it's boring. You're, you're Kermit, and Hodgman is uh, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Hallie would be... Yeah, I was trying like, to think of that, but I, it's hard. She's kind of Miss Piggy, but she's also kind of Janice. Yeah, if you can think of like the the equal point in between those two points. Yeah. I When I was a kid, I did not care for Miss Piggy, and now as a grown-up, I'm like, she's the, mo- <laughs> she's the best character. <laughs> I mean, you're just so turned on by she's her. She's the hero of this story. <laughs> no, I agree. I like, yeah, I found her very irritating as a, as a child, and now as an adult, I find her hilarious. Yeah. Um, LA, that's how I sad. feel about uh, that's how I feel about a lot of uh, of uh, Doonesbury. You find <laughs> you find it hilarious now, but as a kid, I was like, "What is this garbage? Get it out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> like, where's Opus? <laughs> <laughs> why are there no talking animals? Yo, why is this guy ripping off Bloom County? <laughs> Um, so that's letters, guys, and that means that we're to our last segment, which is where we recommend movies that we saw and enjoyed. And it's been a fucking while since we did one of these shows. It's been a long time. We may be a little off in this episode because we haven't recorded for over a month. I think we're, I thought we were hot. Okay. I'm just covering long pause. I'm covering all of our bases. slightly rusty, but I think that's because I didn't get a lot of sleep. Because of the baby. Oh, because Elliot was doing it. No. <laughs> if by doing it, you mean soothing a baby, then yes. <laughs> That's not that hard, though, right? You just pop in some fucking movies and chill out, like put on cars or something? Uh, I mean, if you mean my other son, then yes, that is exactly what you do. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're always like, we're like, Sammy, uh, let's have a movie night. Like, okay, yeah, what movie do you want to watch? Cars 3. Sammy, <laughs> we're not watching Cars 3 again. We watched it so many times now. Okay, so what movie do you want to watch? Cars. <laughs> like, Sammy, I don't think you understood. We don't want to watch Cars. Okay, then how about Cars 3? Sammy! So, <laughs> loves those Cars movies. So, uh, what are you guys going to recommend, huh? Yeah, Dan. Uh, I'll recommend a movie that I saw a ways back that is called Body Bags, or otherwise known as John Carpenter's Body Bags, which was... In theaters now. No. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, was meant as a pilot for a Showtime anthology series to um, take on something like Tales from the Crypt on HBO, Uh, and uh, it has... John Carpenter himself as a sort of crypt keeper character doing wraparound segments where he's a uh, mortician and he's, you know, overacting like hell, mm-hmm. acting silly. Um, there's three segments to it. Um, there is the, I forget the names of them. There's one called, there's one set at a gas station. I think it's called gas or something like the gas station. According like that. to Wikipedia, that sec- that one is called the gas station. Okay, so it's very simple. The second one is called hair, I think, and the third one is called the eye. Is that correct? It just says eye here, but yeah, yeah let's, I'll give it to you. Um, and I would recommend watching the two ones directed by John Carpenter, which are the first two, and ignoring the one directed by Toby Hooper at the end, even though it has a very committed performance by Mark Hamill. Uh, the second one is very goofy. Um, it has, it's about Stacy Keach, uh, wanting hair, thinking that he's not virile without having hair and links to which he goes to get hair. Um, honestly, I would, if I was sequencing this, like a, a record, I would put that before the gas station because the gas station is the one that's the one that I really enjoyed. Uh, and that's that actually, one, that's the worst is when the best part of an anthology is the, is the first, first one. one. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, when I was watching it, I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. And then it was just a slow dive for the rest of the movie. But um, the gas station is a traditional slasher uh, set around a gas station. Mm-hmm. But it's done with, like, it, but it's John Carpenter. And he's experimenting with the way he uses space. And he sets up spatial, spatial relationships. And, like, you know the geography of the gas station. And... He uses the first half of the uh, segment to like set up, you know, like things that are going to pay off, you know, in the second half. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fun exercise in style. And if you like John Carpenter a lot, you're going to enjoy seeing him doing that. Um, Not like an amazing movie by any strike, but especially if you're a John Carpenter fan, it's worth checking out. Yeah. Elliot, what do you got? I am going to recommend a movie that is an HBO movie, so it's only available on HBO, uh, but maybe it'll be, I don't know if it got a theatrical release, but if it did, maybe you'll see it somewhere else, but it's an HBO movie, and it's called The Tale, uh, and it stars Laura Dern and Ellen Burstyn and a bunch of other people, and it's written and directed by Jennifer Fox, and is about, it's based on the true story of uh, her mother finding a story that she had written as a teenager that detailed her relationship with a grown man when she was 13, and kind of how realizing as an adult what a what a uh, abusive relationship it was and how wrong it was kind of starts to affect her. And I thought it was 
really good and really powerful. Laura Dern is fantastic in it. And what? the movie is what she's yeah, only no, I mean, fantastic in everything. <laughs> amazing. Amazingly, Laura Dern, one of the greatest actresses is fantastic in it. But, uh, there's some neat things that they do with, uh, playing around with kind of film elements that reminded me slightly of the movie, the stories we tell, but in a much more harrowing way. Uh, the, and the movie, like the dialogue in it is very on the nose, but that's something that started out bothering me, but then it kind of became very, I don't know. It started really working for me because it felt like this story is not being sensationalized at all. It's being presented very straightforwardly and it's up to you to kind of like be there with Laura Dern's character as she kind of tries to treat it as if it was just this thing that happened and realizes more and more like, no, this is a wrong thing and something terrible was done to her when she was young. So it's not a fun watch, but I thought the tale was really good on HBO, home box office. It's not TV. It's HBO. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie with a slight caveat because it was uh, directed by friend of the podcast, Chris White's. Uh, and that's his new movie, which I think is still playing in theaters now called, yeah, it's still out here called operation finale, which is a historical, almost like a historical heist movie about Mossad agents sneaking into Argentina to, uh, to capture Adolf Eichmann and take him back to Israel for trial. Uh, and it is, uh, a, like a f- more fun movie than I thought it was going to be going into it. Um, and not all the thriller parts work, especially in the, like the last third of the movie, but the, uh, I think the early stuff really shines and the scenes with, uh, the scenes with Oscar Isaac and, uh, Ben Kingsley are just great. Like I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. Um, big surprise. Those two guys can act well and have a lot of charisma. Um, and it, Mm -hmm. uh, and it has a, uh, surprisingly good performance from Nick Kroll. (laughs) Not like knocking him, but wow. like he's not. What a, what a slap in the face to Nick Kroll. I mean, I guess yeah, we, you know we, we we briefly met him, and he seemed perfect, like a perfectly nice guy. No, uh, but like I wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you were to say like, oh the, yeah, there's this uh, historical thriller, uh, Nick Kroll's in it. You wouldn't, I don't know, like he's he's a guy mainly known for comedy, and this is yeah. not a comedy. That's what mm-hmm. I meant by it's that. A, but he's it's a great. dramatic turn from Nick, from Nick Kroll yeah. that works. Thanks for saving me, guys. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I didn't. I threw you under the bus. I apologize. Yeah, you, it's fine. Uh, I'm, uh, under the bus is kind of where I live. Um, <laughs> the uh, But no. So Operation Finale, Chris White's. Uh, yeah. It was, I think, in his words, uh, us going to see that. Uh, he had a, we, we got to, uh, you know, all yeah, the car- full disclosure, all, all my cards on the table. We went to an, er, an early screening, which I think in his words was, uh, his way of preventing us from doing an episode on it. But we would not, because so, we liked it. Have you guys become Moriarty from Ain't It Cool News now, basically, where you like being invited to see movies in order to curry favor? Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally we can be bought. Happening. We can and, totally and, be bought. And Dan's, <laughs> and Dan's using his new position to pull Harry Nolsey bullshit on people. Oh, no, don't do that. Come on. I'm Come just on, joking. Stuart. I'm just joking. But he's, okay, he's something, gross. He's so gross. Something I want to make clear, I should say, I, the movie I recommended, The Tale, I would say, I not if ever there was something that might need like a trigger warning on it, uh, I would I would warn people it is not an, it doesn't pull any punches, so just be ready for it to not be 
a super easy experience to watch. I don't want anyone being like, oh, I heard this is a really good movie about this woman realizing she was abused. It should probably be pretty fun and not having fun during it. So don't have fun during it. It's a rough watch, but it's really good. All right. Now what do we do, Dan? Well, usually we sign off. Do we get to watch Slamma Jamma again? uh, Yeah, we can. I mean, you'll be free to go. You can do whatever you want in this life. It's still, it's on, it's available on Amazon Prime. So I guess we can check that out. Uh, Sure. But Elliot wanted to say a few things before we go. Um, Hey, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Should I just take it away, Dan? Yeah, take it away. Listeners, after over 10 years of doing this podcast, we've decided it's time to start getting the word out about this podcast. So I want to introduce a new kind of Flophouse contest, a not vaguely defined contest, but in fact, a very clearly defined contest. So stealing a page from probably something some other podcast does, I want to say that uh, the weekend this episode comes out, Slamajama, I am going to ask you to tweet about it or tweet about the Flophouse using the hashtag Flophouse. And if you do, Within that two-day period of Saturday and Sunday, the weekends this episode's released, if you tweet about it with the hashtag Flophouse, I'm going to enter you into a drawing to win the chance to pick uh, a movie that we see coming up. Uh, now, Dan, something I meant to talk to you about is after Smallvember comes Shocktober. Is it okay if someone picks a horror movie for us for Shocktober, or do you want to keep that pure as the driven snow? Let's keep that pure and like do November, because we have nothing scheduled for november i thought that was, oh, I thought that was sandal vember where we only watch adam sandler movies <laughs> you've been trying to get this okay. started for three years now four years i don't know <laughs> not not gonna happen okay so this is your chance everybody to save us from sandal vember the month where we have to watch adam sandler movies unless you are so cruel that that's what you're gonna pick but tweet about us this weekend that this episode comes out the fl- hashtag flophouse and you'll get a chance to pick the movie that we watch first in november and please, the only thing I ask to you is uh, let's make it a pretty recent movie that we can have pretty easy access to. My worry is that someone will be like, I won. Okay, there's this movie that I saw on a shelf at my local video store once in 1986. I want you to find it and tell me what happens. Yeah. I, we can't do that. I, I wouldn't – I mean I would say it doesn't have to be recent as long as it's available for us. Like if, okay, if as it's, long as it's readily available. If it's available like and you check on streaming, if it's available on iTunes, you know – or Amazon Prime, or whatever, we should be able to do it. Okay, so with that in mind, just tweet about the show this weekend, this episode comes out, and with the hashtag Flophouse, and you'll get to choose what we watch when Smallvember and Shocktober are but memories. And if things go well, then maybe we'll do this again, right, Dan? I had a great time. Maybe we can do this again sometime. Yeah, and I would say, in addition to that, um, tweet about us when it's not for a contest. I mean... Why not go over to iTunes and leave us a good review? Please don't leave us a bad review. Why would you spend your waste your few hours on this earth uh, putting someone else down? Just and, uh, and Dan. <laughs> just, what do you say, Dan? No, I had nothing else. I just 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 give us a good review if you feel so inclined. And where can they follow us on Twitter, Dan? Uh, it is. I believe it is the Flophouse Pod on Twitter. <laughs> yes, it's at the Flophouse Pod. So, uh, yeah, tweet about us whenever you want. Follow us on Twitter at, at Flophouse, at the Flophouse Pod. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And you know what? I would say when you're done with this episode, why not check out some other great show on Maximum Fun? There's a lot of great Maximum Fun shows. That sounds great. Uh, all right. So, uh, th- I, thanks for doing the show with me, guys. Oh, yeah, it's we're been still great. doing the show. Cool. Stuart's been checking his emails. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I got a lot of emails. Um, yeah. so it's been great, guys. 
It's been so long since I've seen my man Elliot. Dan, I see you a lot, but you're great. Thanks. Uh, so, yep, for the <laughs> Flophouse, I've been Stuart Wellington. Okay, we're doing it this way, I guess. I've been Dan McCoy. And I'm Elliot Kalen, loving every minute I get to spend with my guys when they're crammed into a tiny corner of Dan's new apartment because he's trying to keep his second bedroom pristine for some unknown purpose. Good night, everyone. Bye. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't be there. I'm looking for, I want to see it someday. Uh-huh. Well, you're kind of seeing it. I mean, I'm seeing one tiny corner and a sad lamp, but other than that, not really. Oh, <laughs> that's not a sad lamp. That's Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Stuart, you're so much louder than me. I'm trying to... Uh, I mean, I think that's just my thing. Yeah, it's Dan, just... I think you're just... Is it measuring charisma? Whoa. Um... Ouch. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.